0: want to go to there.
1: Skype! I saw it in the window
0: and I just couldn't
1: resist it.
2: Francie doesn't like coffee ice cream. Hi, for those of you who just tuned in, everyone here is a crazy person.
1: It takes a lot to make a stew. A pinch of salt and laughter too. A scoop of kids to add the spice. A dash of love to make it.
3: Hello and welcome to the Televerse Sound On TV podcast. This is Kate Calls, i come and joined as ever by Simon Howell. Simon, how's it going?
2: Oh my god. <laughs> Why do we do this to ourselves?
3: You know what I think is hilarious is that we do this every year for the past several years. Um, we have our best of the year blowout, omnibus, uh, what, what did you call it last week?
2: Uh, the smorgasbord-y.
3: The Smorgasbordgy, yeah. Uh, and we're always like, this is insane. We we'll ha- we have to cut down on on the categories next year. And then next year comes and we're like, oh, what should our categories be? And we come up with more of them. And we both come up with it was a group effort this year. Yeah,
2: I don't know. And we also seem to always record all this on the same day. I don't know why.
3: Yeah. To peek behind the curtain, it's not really next week for us because of traveling. But um, yeah, there's yeah, there's, a, there's it's going to be a long one. Hopefully it's a fun one. There's been a lot of really great TV to talk about this year.
2: Uh, and a lot of really terrible TV to talk about this year.
3: Ding ding ding. We're going to do some of that too, but let's kick it off here at the top and we're going to we're going to split each of these into several chunks and we'll have uh hopefully you heard some of it already, but we'll hear some of the original music from television this year interspersed throughout the podcast. Um but we're going to break this into several different chunks, themed a bit, and here we have our first uh set of performance awards. We're, so we're we're kicking things off, uh, nice and uh, stereotypical with our best lead performance. Let's let's do male. Who do you have here?
2: All right. Well, just as a, as first as just a little bit of preamble and and setup, trying to avoid, uh, you know, you we, you already heard our top twenty, uh, in the previous show, so um, in, I hope so. We're I'm gonna do my best to uh to steer away from the obvious candidates that you already know that we love uh so that uh, we can spotlight some stuff that we maybe talked about a little bit less although the shows we love uh do will we'll make an appearance as well so yeah that i'm just gonna get that out of the way um to me when we're talking about lead performers best or worst we, we're talking about the people on whom the whole series rests uh there were maybe other shows that were better in terms of individual performance but i or worse uh but i think due to the success or failure of said performer the show works uh for me uh i'm gonna just spotlight andy daly at review uh for best i mean this is a show on whom literally the entire concept rests and here's a guy who's been uh just desperately in need of a star vehicle for years now and, uh, comedy central waited and found him just the right one.
3: And then waited a little bit longer <laughs>
2: and then waited a bit longer to actually release it. Um, I, this show minds his innate likability and sort of, uh, wholesomeness, uh, and combines that with this dark, uh, strange twisted material, and then has him come out of the other end, uh, maybe not unchanged, but still uh, retaining that wholesomeness. And that's all dead Daly's performance. Uh, and that's that's where I'm going with him. Uh, as a runner-up or, you know, sort of all, also mention. got a spotlight Aiden Young again at Rectify. Uh, just uh, he was less central this season, but no less amazing. And uh, he had even more places to go this season, and, and he's just straight up killing it.
3: Absolutely. Uh, I had both of those guys. Uh, I also have Jeffrey Tambor as Mora on Transparent. Uh, Yes, we talked about him last week, but I I felt like I needed to include him here. Um, I also have John Oliver last week tonight. It's another one that doesn't work without the right person in the front and Michael Sheen. As Dr. Masters on Masters of Sex gave a, quite a, a strong performance this, this year. The reason we don't I don't have Mass Mickelson or Hugh Dancy in this is that it's really a dual performance. It's a, a front of Hannibal, so it felt like that was a kind of a different thing that we didn't have a category for. But the other ones we already mentioned uh, as well, uh, like you say, Andy Daly, Aiden Young, these are great choices. Uh, what do you have for your worst lead performance, Mel? We should, we should caveat this with the fact that we don't watch a lot of bad TV because we don't waste our time with it.
2: No, although you certainly watch more bad t v than I do,
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering if we have the same pick but uh but go for it
2: um in terms of just sheer misguidedness uh this is partially done to writing, but I think the the sheer bloody commitment to the badness of the role is sort of a dual best worst uh phenomenon, and that's Dylan McDermott on stalker.
3: Ding ding yeah, ding I' mind, I have um, mind, yeah, admittedly
2: a, a totally misguided uh att- attempt in uh in the writing department by Kevin Williamson in terms of uh the character design, but something about the way McDermott uh Nick cages it uh in this role just ups the ante on how terrible that character is,
3: yeah, he takes a character that's poorly written and does not make it better. He makes it worse. Uh, through his delivery, and uh, yeah, that was the, I was trying to think, because I don't have, I'm not good at the worsts, because again, I don't watch a lot of shows that are going to have worsts, uh, but that one's really just immediately came to me, so that's, we're in accord on our worst individual male performance. Who do you have for, for best lead performance female?
2: Um, Pretty obvious. I mean, Gina Rodriguez on Jane the Virgin, uh once again she's the titular character she's at the heart of the show and she just came out of nowhere to absolutely blow everyone away. I uh, got the CW its first ever award nomination in anything and that doesn't mean a whole lot but uh it's it's definitely there's a reason and I think she she stole America's heart and uh and just there's there's so much going on and and she's only been around for a few episodes and the fact that she's there already uh, says something. I also wanted to give a shout out to Frances McDormand uh, in Olive Kittredge. Uh, again, a titular role and such an unusual uh, character to center an entire uh, film or miniseries on, and she uh, she manages. To, she you fall in love with that character uh, not only in spite of but due to her intense thorniness because you know someone like this or you may be this person and you and these are character traits you don't get to see represented on on television or in film Uh, and certainly not um you know this is the sort of character who would have been like a fourth stringer uh sort of one-off antagonist for a for some for some well-to-do young man who grows up to do better things like no we're gonna stick with her and see what and see what she's up to and francis mcdormand uh is just a force of nature in that film
1: Yeah,
3: she's fantastic. I had both of those uh, actresses as well. Um, Maggie Gyllenhaal, The Honorable Woman, I think she's really good in that. Uh, Juliana Margulies killed it this year on The Good Wife, as did Julie Louis-Dreyfus on Veep. Such utter commitment uh, from from both of them. Tatiana Maslany, again, the material didn't necessarily uh, rise to the occasion, but I thought her performance really did several times um, in... Orphan Black Season 2. And uh, the last ones I have here are Lizzie Kaplan and Allison Tolman. Um, Lizzie Kaplan from Masters of Sex, Allison Tolman from Fargo. Um, honorable Mention 2, I cannot remember. Katrina Bame something? The 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 actress who stars on Outlander. That's another tricky character that um, a really strong performance helps center. Mm-hmm. Oh who do you, who do you have for worst individual female? I, I I couldn't come up with anything.
2: I actually don't. I don't I don't have yeah. a, a worst actress. I'm sorry, I do have a worst supporting actress, though we'll, we'll get there.
3: Okay, so let's move on uh, right away then to our best individual supporting performances. Uh, let's let's start with female. Who do you have here?
2: uh well, the number one pick uh, was the uh the one of the most thankless great roles of the year. Uh, and that was Olivia Munn on the newsroom. Mm -hmm. uh just uh uh, a source of life light and humor insanity in an otherwise insane scenario uh i'm sure we'll talk about her a couple of times but the fact that uh at least i and perhaps both of us were i was straight up uh i was straight up anti-mun before the series started i thought she was possibly the least funny contributor in daily show history um, didn't, didn't find her, uh, engaging at all in that scenario. And so finding out that she was going to be on this, uh, other fake news show, I was like, ah, <laughs> uh, great. Uh, combined with, you know, Sorkin's not so great history with female, uh, characters, but she ended up being such a great fit for Sorkin's patter and managed to, uh, admittedly, she, it's one of those roles where you're kind of handed the keys to the kingdom just through being the voice of sanity. On your show, but uh, I think she managed to really double down on that in her performance, and uh, just a, a really remarkable achievement. Uh, I also have to mention, of course, Carrie Coon on The Leftovers, <laughs> just uh, what should have been just on on paper just the most miserable, unwatchably depressing character <laughs> on TV, and manages to imbue her with this uh, with this cynical, fiery. Uh, sense of uh, sort of defiance to her life, uh, but also humor and self-awareness. Uh, just a really strange mix uh, going on in that character that we we didn't even really spend that much time with, uh, but whenever she was on screen, she absolutely commands your attention.
3: Great picks. Um, I have Samira Wiley-Poussey uh, from Orange is the New Black. I thought she really stepped up in season two. Uh, but I know I'm behind on this from everyone, but I loved her this year. Uh Kelly McDonald on Boardwalk Empire. So fun in that role. I also have Pamela Adlin on Louie. It could be really any of the women of of Louie. That's a fantastic supporting cast. But um the uh yeah, I'm gonna give it to her for the three part Pamela. I thought she was very good. Um and again, there are so many like there's certain categories here that I have just too many. I cannot say them all. There are too many. Um there's a few that we don't have picks for necessarily, especially for worsts, but um, this is by no means a definitive list, and I look forward to hearing everybody else's picks as well. But those are who I went with today. Do you have any uh, worst individual supporting
0: <laughs> female?
2: I, I do, and it's kind of unfair because uh, I haven't seen as much of the show as uh, other people have, so I may get I may get uh, s- some, some flack for this, including from you, but... Man, every time I check in on S.H.I.E.L.D., I never like Chloe Bennett any more than I did before. <laughs> I'm sorry. I It's not, I do not find her to be an engaging screen presence. And the fact that they evolve her character and give her more to do doesn't ever seem to change that.
3: You know what? I, I thought about picking her for this as well. Um, She's gotten a lot better. She's gotten much better. And I don't know how much of that is the performance and how much of that is the writing and how much of that is the direction. But yeah, I just care less about that character. In proportion to how significant she is to the show, um, this is one where just the the people in charge and myself are not seeing the same thing. Sometimes uh, creatives see something in a performer and they can really bring that out of them and make them a star. Uh, they they see something in Chloe Bennett that neither of us do. Um, but yes, but she, she has gotten much better. So I that. I believe
2: you. I hope so.
3: Let's move on to best uh, individual supporting male. Um who did you have for this?
2: Wait, can we say this together because it's really obvious? Jonathan Tucker.
3: <laughs> yeah, he was really good uh this this season on Kingdom. Uh he I don't have him though. So that's I don't know why I, I think because my list didn't have Kingdom on it um that I was drawing from because it was still airing. But I, I have some, you'll like my picks too. Who else do you have?
2: Well, I, I guess just to, just to explain that a little bit more, since nobody watches Kingdom, uh, here is ostensibly this very dour, bro series about MMA fighters and their problems and the stupid shit they get up to and then feel bad about. And Jonathan Tucker as Jay, I think, leads the show into a whole other direction, especially in the second half of the season. Like he almost single-handedly picks it up and carries it to a more interesting space. And especially by the end of the show, there's never, he, there's not a frame that he's on screen where I'm not grinning like an idiot because he's, because his joy uh, and his, uh, his level of engagement is just, uh, is just off the charts. Uh, and I just wanted to also mention uh, J. Duplass on transparent, uh, as I mentioned in, in the, in the uh, top 10 episode, uh, taking a despicable on paper character and finding levels of humor and vulnerability uh, that take it somewhere else. And uh, lastly, Hannibal Buress on Broad City, uh, a, a role that should be completely in, this sort of standard sort of uh, sugar daddy type role uh, that he's finding these bizarre little comic beats in and uh, and just absolutely killing it in a totally different way.
3: I had so many come to mind for this category and completely forgot Jonathan Tucker in the process. Um, the the handful that came to mind for me, uh, Pedro Pascal on Game of Thrones, so good as the Viper this year. He really gave a lot of energy to the season. Stephen Ray on The Honorable Woman, so much fun to, to discover him this year. Um, uh, Desmond uh, Borges on uh, You're the Worst as Edgar, the breakout Character for me in a really strong field, Christopher Evan Welch, Silicon Valley, so good, so mm, good. Just in peace. And then a, a shout out, uh, though he could maybe fit in another category coming up, to Timothy Dalton on Penny Dreadful, just delightful uh, this year. Do you have any worst individual supporting male?
2: Uh, I do. Um, <laughs> to tie in with your with your best runner up there, uh, admittedly. It's partly makeup, it's partly writing, it's partly a lot of things. But uh, great as he may be in other stuff, Rory Kinnear on Penny Dreadful didn't really work for me at all as uh, Frankenstein's monster. Um, the uh, beyond, of course, the the first forty five seconds or so that he that he's on screen because that's a great moment. But, boy, does he ever spoil the batch after that.
3: Yeah, and uh, my pick is actually Reeve Carney as Dorian Gray. And, again, that's another example of that's the writing probably more than the performance, but I didn't like the performance either. Uh, and I think that's why, maybe that explains why Penny Dreadful isn't on our lists for our top 20. Yeah.
2: I Reeve Carney worked for me more in the second half of the season. I would say his first episode or two, you're just like, oh Jesus, I do not need this floppy-haired dingus in my life. But uh, I, I, he gets more interesting stuff to do later, and I, I have hopes for him in season two. I don't have hopes for for Rory Kinnear in season two. I just I do not like that character. You're
3: not looking forward to to him getting his bride of Frankenstein, uh, Billy Piper with her terrible accent.
2: Oh, my God. I, I liked Billy Piper uh, throughout, but uh if her first scene is not get the fuck away from me running away and doing anything else, I'm going to be deeply disappointed.
3: Yep. Yep. We'll see what happens with that next season. But for now, let's move on to a potentially connected category. Most acting in a role. Most acting. This is the Eva Green Award, right?
0: Yeah,
2: just to be clear, most acting is not uh, – obviously Tatiana Maslany would win that every year for literally doing the most acting. We mean this is really biggest acting. Who's putting themselves out there the most? Uh, And it is the Eva Green Award. Uh, She's the obvious choice. Uh, But to go a slightly different route with that, um, I'm going to give this to someone whose performance I could never decide was amazing or terrible, and I'm still not sure. And that says something about their level of commitment, uh, and that and their role within the, within this within the show. And I'm going to with Justin Theroux on the leftovers. Um, I mean, it's committed. I'll I'll say that. And I he worked for me more uh, over the course of the season, but there are whole episodes where his sheer exasperation and flailing. Just become like it's its own thing and, and on, a, on, a, on a meta level that the show doesn't seem, even seem aware of. Uh, sort of building off of his performances in like David Lynch films and taking them to this whole other plateau of campiness. So well done. <laughs>
3: um, I have Michelle Gomez as Missy on Doctor Who. So much acting. Um, also, a twofer from Hannibal, Michael Pitt. Have a chocolate. And uh, Jeremy Davies, the Twitch Meister himself, uh, I enjoyed his performance on Hannibal, but the twitchiness, I feel like I've reached peak Davies. I need him to find a new approach because he's just been doing the same thing to varying extents for the last few things I've seen him in.
2: Right. Um, yeah, that's absolutely fair. And he it's partially typecasting and it's partially uh, relying on, on the same sort of uh, acting tropes. Uh, if we're going to talk least acting, uh, this is the one uh, area in which I am going to give the nod to Hannibal uh, for Hannibal. And th- and I when I say least acting, obviously Mads Mikkelsen is up to a lot. He's doing a lot. Um, but when I say least acting, I mean is able to communicate the most via the least physical, perceptible physical motion, <laughs> or uh, or you know things perceptible on the oral or visual plane. Uh here's a guy who's acting telepathically.
3: Fair enough. Uh I you know, I think that's so funny because for me it's a huge performance. Uh but I think that's also because I've watched it very closely over the course of years now. Uh but I, I have actually and maybe I took a different approach to this topic. Um least acting, I have uh uh John Benjamin. Mm, I have Good Bill, answer. Bill Murray, Olive Kittredge, I have Hannibal Buress on uh broad city i have natasha leone on orange is new black there's some definite acting there but i feel like the 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 the, the normal you know when it's not a focus on her the uh, supporting kind of performance she's giving most of the time is just such a relaxed and very it doesn't seem like she's acting it doesn't seem like she's working which doesn't mean that she isn't It just means she's very good at it mm-hmm. and then honorable mention to maura tierney on the affair really yeah, the last episode maybe not so much, but most of the time this season she's been just such a strong, just kind of warm, supporting presence. Where she's just like, especially next compared to the more overwrought stuff that's been going on around, going on around her. I don't know.
2: Yeah, there's maybe a case to be made there. I think the the other choices you made are all very much based on, uh, they are what we under they take what we understand uh, about an actor's persona. Or sort of what seems to be very much their natural vibe, and and runs with it. And I I think based it, it, John Benjamin is a is a great uh, choice for that. His he mostly. I mean, we're talking about voice acting, and we know what his voice sounds like, and he tends to just do that. Although of course he's also, it sounds like voicing a bunch of other characters that he just isn't credited for.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah, there is definitely that level of playing with audience perceptions uh, and and personas, definitely. Uh, so I, that's, that's what stops me from putting a performance like, um, Felix say on Orphan Black, which is such a relaxed kind of chill performance. But then as soon as you hear the actual actor, it's completely, totally different accent, you know, like completely different physicality. So just cause it's a relaxed performance doesn't mean that it's not a very striking contrast to the actor. But next up we have our best voice acting. Uh, I'm curious if this—if you're going to have a tie over here with with H. John Benjamin, who who makes your list this year, this year? Uh,
2: best voice acting is kind of cheating. Uh, I'm going with the narrator on Jane the Virgin. Me too, Anthony Boosh! Mendez. Anthony Mendez, uh, single-handedly saves voiceover narration for this year. I mean. There, there's some other okay narration. There's a way. There's a fuck ton more bad narration. I mean, you saw more of it than I did, having watched every network pilot like a dum dum. <laughs> but the, uh, I mean, he he doesn't quite make the show. Uh, obviously, other people more obviously do that. But uh, he he uh, defines the show's playfulness, I think, and its willingness to sort of toy with telenovela tropes and soap opera tropes. Uh, and he really uh, he he helps make the show what it is in in terms of its comic approach.
3: The other one I have here is uh, Pendleton Ward as Lumpy Space Princess on Adventure Time. Yes, because I you know that's such a ridiculous character, but he brings such uh, pathos to her and such depth uh, to such ridiculous dialogue. Like, she,
2: oh my god!
3: But she's keying the side of Breakfast Princess's castle. <laughs> <laughs> and she's just like, Pendleton Ward, the voice, he's just, he's just like sort of muttering to himself through, it's just, it's hilarious, and it's heartfelt, and it makes an absolutely absurd character completely grounded, so I wanted to give a shout out to Pendleton Ward as well.
2: That's a, that's a really great idea. Do you have anything for worst? Because I do, but it's sort of unfair.
3: Okay, go for it.
2: <sighs> I'm going to go with Aaron Paul and BoJack Horseman, um... Yeah, I feel like it's not so it's not a bad performance by any means. It, it's, it's not worst in that sense. But I was never not distracted by Aaron Paul's casting. Uh, and there's obviously that they're where they're meant to draw on our knowledge of Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad uh, in a very deliberate way. But uh, that level of familiarity was one of the reasons his character never worked for me.
3: Well, and if you're gonna stunt cast from uh, Breaking Bad, I would have rather had um, oh the name escapes me. I just had Matt a, Jones. Matt Jones, yeah, be that character. But um, the yeah, I don't have a particular pick for this. Just basically um, celebrity voice casting, having uh, you know, so like basically all of BoJack Horseman. I was incredibly distracted. The entire time, Patton Oswalt in that was really distracting for me. Um, having even well, Arnett, having like everybody in that entire cast. I've just felt like I, I could see the famous people or the, the really great comedians who should be more famous than they are. Uh, all just kind of hanging out and telling each other how great they are. And that's why they're, they're bringing them on board rather than because they are the best fit for this role.
2: Uh, I mean, I, I can see that being an issue. Uh, I think a lot of the casting is fine. I, l- I love uh, Paul F. Tompkins uh, in his role in particular. I yeah. think he he he's he's he was a really good fit, despite being almost as famous as most of these other people.
3: See, Amy Sedaris, for example, really took me out of it. And everybody else seems to have loved her casting. But I every time she opened her mouth, I was just like, it's just Amy Sedaris.
2: Oh, I had no issue with Amy Sedaris. And actually, I think the, the, the Sedaris-centric episode, I want to say episode 7 or 8, uh, that said, and that on that character's birthday is uh, the one that really made me pivot to liking the show mm-hmm. uh, around the midway point. But c'est la vie,
3: can't always have hive mind here at the Televerse. Uh, nope. That that wraps up our first segment, only a half an hour in. Uh, let's take a break now and come back with uh, the second half of the performance awards right after this.
4: Uh, I'm a started now, I'm a battle now. We're gonna make a rhyme, so I can rap this time. i rap for millions. Says Quippadillions. Yeah! Your girls are back. Kate, Cecily, Sashia, Vanessa, Leslie, Cameron, and
1: your little baby
4: April. We're home for Thanksgiving, y'all. And our parents are real happy to see us. So they're gonna treat us like queens. This may be their house. But for the next four days, we've got to run this bitch. Walk in the door, hand my bag to the valet. In case you're wondering, it's my dad day. Head straight to the fridge like a boss, yo. Hell yeah, my mom went to Costco. Ain't in my house, but I'll tear it
1: I'm not going to do a hold up for just one size Cause I'm a back home baller. If I want something, I just want.
4: I'm throwing your ass, I'm about to get the last word I'm showing your ass, you bout to have your last turd Class, take a look at his ass, When will his ass love? You hear that? You lost
1: the crowd You choking on a smoke cloud, get you coughing now It's the return of the realest, I shit off you now Ain't nobody got love for you, you a foster
4: child well, I'm a peanut bar, and I'm here to say, your checks will arrive on another day. Another day, another dime, another rhyme, another dollar. Another stuffed shirt with another white collar. Criminals, Wall Street taking the pie, and all the black man gets is a plate of white lies. Prisons recruiting them, police be shooting them, rap artists looting them, labels all diluting them. Barack Obama, you scared of me, because I don't swallow knowledge, and I spit it for Let me clear my throat. <laughs> I don't know what that was, I don't.
0: I don't know what that
3: was. Continuing the performance awards, we're going to kick kick off uh, most novel casting. And I'm, again, I'm curious if we're going to have a similar pick here. I only have one. Uh, what do you have for this?
2: Um, I'm going to go with Key and Peele on Fargo. Mm-hmm. Uh, that As soon as I read about that, I was like, oh, Key and Peele as people other than Key and Peele. That's interesting uh def- i mean they're great actors they are great actors what they do is not easy on key and peel and uh folding them into the ensemble on fargo was uh was a really smart play and it it really helped to uh you know they were fargo was happening around the same time as true detective and i think their inclusion and the show's willingness to go all out in terms of folding in comic elements uh was really well represented by their inclusion
3: yeah i think that's a it's a very strong pick. I uh, had uh, Keegan-Michael Key as a runner-up supporting performance for actually playing House. Uh, really great in that this year as well. Uh, so I'm glad to see him pop up here for you. I have, uh, it will surprise no one, I have Sam Raimi, Samuel Raimi, I should say, for Over the Garden Wall. Such a great choice for that role, that pivotal role, and uh, just the gravitas and the the weight uh, the years of of basso profundo in that voice—it really, really is uh, very effective. So, so I have just have Sam Raimi there. What do you have for best use of ensemble cast?
2: Uh I have bests and worst for this. Uh for best, uh it's hard not to go with Orange is the New Black. Uh they made exceptional use of their uh, of their ensemble this year. Uh, although, could have made some more room for Laverne Cox this year, who it didn't seem like got nearly enough to do, which was weird, especially considering that she was becoming more prominent everywhere else. Uh, but overall, in terms of balancing perspectives, uh, I thought they did a really great job. Also want to give a shout out to Bob's Burgers. Uh, that whole voice cast is, is just tremendous, and their, uh, their ensemble dynamic is like nothing else.
3: Those are great picks. I have, I have those as well. Um, I also have Adventure Time. Uh, this season featured the ensemble more than ever. Uh, the Americans—we've already talked plenty about that. Veep, such as the uh, deep bench, and I wanted to throw some love to Enlisted, which uh, developed its ensemble cast almost immediately. Did a really good mm-hmm. job of differentiating between uh, a large platoon there uh, in just in the first few episodes. So, so well done, Enlisted. Uh, who do you have for worst?
2: Worst, freak show. Can we talk about? A more egregious waste of talent, because I can't think of any. Uh, so many, so many great actors playing flimsy roles, uh, often for not even that much screen time. As it turns out, uh, I would have much rather. Uh, th- I can't. I can't even list all the things I'd rather see all these actors be doing than American Horror Story right now.
3: Uh, that's a great choice. Uh, in a similar vein, I have Gotham.
2: Yes, my (laughs) runner-up.
3: Yep, yep. I also have The Strain, and I have Masters of Sex for worst use of ensemble because they started out doing very interesting things with the ensemble this season, and then by the end of the season, all the stories were so disparate and unconnected, other than like a loose thematic tie, that it really was a waste of, of their ensemble. It's a shame that they couldn't end the season as strongly or as with with as clear thematic and even just plot ties as they started it so that was a very uneven and uh in my opinion uh unfortunate use of the ensemble there um now do you have uh any picks for over and underrated ensembles
2: uh well it ties in with what you just said i would say most underrated ensemble is veep uh so many great comic performances that never get recognized that are just week in and week out killer and I mean people like Anna Chlumsky and Timothy Simons and Reed Scott uh, they don't get a lot to do every week necessarily but uh, they always kill it in their individual scenes and uh, in their comic interplay so they deserve a shout out uh, from me as well Uh,
3: great pick I had them as well I also have rectify uh for dramatic really strong ensemble there and they did a great job uh filling the ex- the longer order you know all the supporting characters really stepped up i also have some love for bletchley circle which was one of my discoveries this year it was so fun to spend time with with the bletchley circle gang i i still haven't seen all of season 2 but i wanted to, to throw a little love to that ensemble cuz i think that's a really strong group uh and to show that more americans should try to find some time for uh overrated ensemble i've got house of cards because how do they keep getting nominated for awards I mean it's not a bad show but it's just not a good show
2: Uh, I mean I, 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 I I've seen season 1 I watched the series 2 premiere uh, mostly because I heard what happens and I wanted to see that happen I uh, didn't see more than that uh, I mean you're talking about a show that folds in people like Gerald McRaney and Molly Parker uh, and other people I love and yet I was so not tempted to watch more of it so that tells you something
3: Yep, and again, the actors great. The use of the actors not so great. Um, do you have any picks for cameos or guest appearances?
2: Uh, I have two picks. One is uh for a show that we never discussed and uh, generally don't discuss, and I don't even watch all that often, but deserves spotlighting for its sheer insanity. Uh, and that goes to Lauren Conrad's appearance on the Eric Andre show. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, um. I guess I'll just explain it. So basically, uh, Eric Andre show uh, is a uh, is a f- sort of a fake, surreal talk show that happens on Adult Swim, hosted by Eric Andre, who I, I think we'll be seeing more of in the future. And uh, usually when they announce a celebrity guest, it's not them. It's just it's a random or a lookalike or just someone completely different. Uh, when they got Lauren Conrad, it was Lauren Conrad, and she didn't know what sort of a show it was. Okay. And... Um, <laughs> And Hannibal Buress is his sideman, and they just proceeded to uh, do a series of increasingly bizarre things. Not to her, just sort of around, uh, you know, destroying the set, uh, asking strange questions, uh, projectile vomiting. And uh, she just proceeded to just get completely bugged out and leave. And after that, they couldn't book anyone else. (laughs) So congratulations to to Lauren Conrad and the Eric Andre show. Uh, That was... You went all out on that one. Uh, <laughs> I also wanted to give some to give some love to June Squibb for her one appearance on Girls because that was instantly unforgettable.
3: Uh, great picks there, uh, and that is intriguing to me. Uh, for cameos, uh, I have a uh, uh, Gloria Steinem on uh, The Good Wife. Such a fun nice. cameo. Uh, And also the character Chuck on Supernatural, just one moment and one line of dialogue, but a lovely, lovely touch there in fan fiction. For guest appearances, I have Tom Lennon and Fred Willard on their episodes of Review. So great. Tom Middleditch on uh, You're the Worst. I really was not a fan of his performance on Silicon Valley. So it was great to see him show up on You're the Worst and have me actually, you know, really appreciate his performance and his ability as an actor. So that kind of changed things up for me. Community, Walton Goggins was a lot of fun. And uh, I, th- I feel bad that these are all um, these are all men. But I- so Richard E. Grant on Girls was just fantastic this year. And of course, I always appreciate when Caitlin Deaver shows up on Justified. And that was one of the best seasons uh one one of the best episodes of of that season as well when she when she popped back up as was it Lorna? Loretta as Loretta, Loretta yes. Unjustified.
2: Um I just thought of another one that needs to be mentioned, which is uh Skip Seth on Louie uh as the teacher in the in the into the woods mm. uh taking the place of the late Philip Seymour Hoffman, who the part was basically intended for. Uh not an easy thing to do and he uh he really leaves an indelible mark on those episodes.
3: Yeah, uh, Ellen Burstyn from Louie as well was my my last pick. So so many. See, like there's like I said, there's some categories I have just have a million picks for. We've got our next category here is sixth man and sixth woman. Do you have any? Do you are we gonna just have the same two picks? Do you have anything else besides, of course, the wonderful Anne Dowd and the fabulous Zach Woods?
2: Uh, I actually do. Go um, for it. I mean, and, and the sixth man award for anyone who's unaware is the person who was just inescapable throughout the year and in ev-
3: great in everything.
2: And great in everything. Um, I think I may have someone actually more omnipresent than Zach Woods. Although, and Dow was in a lot of stuff. Um, But you know who was on nine series and several films this year? No. Rob Hubel. And Uh, he was on more than you think. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I think I need to list everything he was on this year. Rob Hubel was on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Parks and Recreation, Garfunkel and Oates, a bunch of transparent, obviously the Mindy Project, Newsreaders, The League, uh, Marry Me, The Goldbergs, and uh, next year he'll be on something called American Storage. I don't know. Anyway, he was also in Horrible Bosses too. So yeah, that's a lot.
3: Okay, so that that is more. Zach Woods was on the Kroll Show, on The Good Wife. Of course, he's one of our our uh, NSA buddies. Veep, Silicon Valley, Playing House, and The League. Uh, So that is what, uh, of course... That's six. That's six. He was a regular on a few of those. But you're right, you do have more. Ann Dowd uh, was, of course, on... (laughs) She was on Loves a Bitch, which is a TV miniseries I did not watch, playing Wes's mom. uh, As well as uh, True Detective, The Divide, Olive Kittredge, um, The Leftovers, and Masters of Sex. So, again, several films as well. So just a few (laughs) for... for, um, and Doubt. Do, do you have any other picks? I have one more. Go for it. The last one I have, and again, it, it doesn't compare with the kind of years that these guys have had, but it was great to see him pop up several times uh, on my TV this year, and that's Tobias Menzies, um, who was on... Uh, actually, he I don't remember, was he on the season of Game of Thrones? He's usually on Game of Thrones, but uh, he was on Silent Witness, The Honorable Woman, and Outlander in a much more prominent role. So it was great to see him pop up more prominently and with a different kind of role than he usually tends to get. Uh, but really, for me, it was all about uh, Zach Woods and Endowed and, and Rob Hubel, like you said.
2: Yes, well, they certainly all had more fun years than Tobias Menzies had.
3: Yes, I would concur with that. Um, next up, we have characters that we want more of um, and maybe characters we want less of. I don't know if you have any picks for that, but, uh, but who came to mind for this?
2: Uh, the immediate thought, and maybe it's because I just saw Whiplash and had a similar reaction, but Paul Reiser on Married, um, he was, I mean, that series has some issues, and I think uh, it's one of the shows that I'm really hoping uh, breaks out and does better things next year. Uh, but his character was uh, uh was just delightful whenever he was on screen uh, whether or not Jenny Slate was around uh, i think that he's he's such a great addition to that cast in terms of uh in terms of being a grounding force in the same way that i think uh, Desmond Borges turned out to be on You're the Worst, and I think they could up that quotient in, in future seasons.
3: That's a great pick um, for me. Well, you already mentioned Livering Cox on Orange is the New Black. I would really love to spend more time with her uh, this season, and hopefully we'll get more time with her next season. Uh, but I also wanted to throw some love to Carrie Coon on Leftovers, that character. We got, we got a little bit more with her as the season progressed, but really just... If she could have just been in every scene uh, and if she could have shared most of those scenes with Chris Eccleston, who played her brother, that would have been good as far as I was concerned. And then uh, the the last one that I'll pick here is um, on uh, The Good Wife. I could just watch Sarah Steele be Eli's daughter pretty much all day. So, you know, maybe 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 uh, a little bit more time with, with her. Uh, did you have any characters that you want to spend less time with?
2: Characters I want to spend less time with. Uh, since you have just mentioned The Good Wife, uh, I feel like I'm, we're already about to spend zero time with Kalinda, but, you know, if they want to scale that back, that's fine by me.
3: Or they could, you know, incorporate her into the cast, but seeing as that doesn't seem to be an option for them, yeah, let's just write her out, because it's too awkward at this point, uh, and which is disappointing for a character that, that I absolutely loved. Um, how about actors that we want more of?
2: Uh, I'm going to go with someone who is virtually absent this year, and I'm still wonder- wondering why. Maria Thayer. What have you got to do that's better than being on a bunch of my TV shows? Come on.
3: Or in-, in casting people, what do you have to do that's better than casting Maria Thayer in a bunch of stuff? I think that's a great pick. And uh, and I'll say the you know, we we did get to see a couple of them, but I, I really could use more Caitlyn Olsen in my life. We, we The other Always Sunny's cast members tend to get more work she i I only see her on always sunny and i don't understand that especially after she had such a fantastic season last year she's a very uh very uh talented and uh skilled comedic actress why is she not in more stuff
2: yeah actually i was just noticing my sister was watching the mindy project like oh there's all my always sunny people or uh or turning up on fargo or whatever and nope no caitlin olson ever Mm -hmm. why
0: Yep,
3: so that wraps up our second uh, performance category So now we'll take a break and come back with our
1: awards for production I was screaming into the canyon At the moment of my death The echo I created I lasted my last breath My voice, had made an avalanche And buried a man I never knew And when he died, his widow I admit to daddy and they made you I have only one thing to do And that's be the way that I am And then sink back into the ocean I have only one thing to do And that's be the way that I am And then sink back into the ocean You yeah, you, you're really cool. You can be anything you want to be. Time to fly, I'm talking to you. No hablo espanol, See, Move forward, stand around. Hang in there while you're doing it. And sail away into the sunset, baby. Dream your dreams into the sky. Oh, yeah, you really got it. Yeah, now you really got it. Yeah, hey, you really got it, yeah. Don't stop being cool.
5: stars in the sky, the moon on high, they're great for you and me, because they're free. The moon belongs to everyone, the best things in life are free. The stars belong to everyone they gleam, they're for you and me, the flowers in spring, the robins sing, the sunbeams that shine, they're yours, they're mine, and love can come to everyone, the best things in life are free.
3: We're going to uh, combine a couple categories here. We have production, so that'll be like your direction, your editing, that kind of thing. And we're we're going to also throw in some music awards here as well. Um, first, notable comedy comedy direction. I mean, I I just have Louis. I don't know. There's there are plenty of other well directed comedies, but uh, I feel like Louis C.K. Uh, deserves a special mention for the way that he expanded his his approach and his form this season. Do you have any other picks?
2: Uh, I would throw some love to Broad City for uh, just the way it was able to vary its approach. So often you've got some music video aspects. You've got the sort of cinema verite feel uh, thrown in from time to time. Uh, just, you know, varying its visual style uh, to suit uh, to suit whatever the material was more often than you would think. And we already mentioned the, uh, the finale, which was directed by Amy Poehler, and she did a stellar job with that.
3: Yeah. How about uh, Best uh, Drama Direction? I have, again, very generic picks. Uh, True Detective, The Nick, Outlander, uh, as well as Doctor Who, which got far more cinematic this year. A lot more interesting uh, directorial flourishes this season that I'm, I'm hoping they will incorporate next season. Do you have any more interesting picks?
2: I was going to say, that's not totally surprising given that, that they were incorporating people like Ben Wheatley uh, into, the, into the production aspect, which I think was really smart. Uh, I wanted to specifically mention the Nick because, uh, you know, we, we we usually get into, you know, lighting, set design, makeup, uh, things like that. And I feel like across the board, the best thing about the Nick was, uh, was getting to watch Soderbergh, who is uh, in general his own camera operator, or at least minds those things very carefully, which is just something that's unheard of in terms of levels of creative involvement on television. And uh, that sort of auteur feel carried over uh, into the show. uh, And that made it the most interesting aspect of watching the show virtually all of the time. And it helped the show to sort of... uh, Honestly, I think without that, the show would have been a chore to watch.
3: Yeah, the aesthetic of the Nick was key, especially in the early part of it. Before the show seemed interested in its supporting cast, the aesthetic was key to to keeping me on board. And uh, otherwise, it just would have been another medical show. Uh, and so, yeah, I it's a great it's a great pick there. For cinematography, I have Louis for model. I really love the sort of breezy, relaxed feel of that. And there were some really nice flourishes there. Um, again, a lot of very, uh, very uninteresting choices for me. But the Nick, Hannibal, Boardwalk Empire, and Transparent.
2: Uh, I wanted to specifically give some love to Outlander. Um, I mean, obviously, whenever you have a show set in in the Highlands or, you know, some sort of stereotypically picturesque uh, area, you're going to get beautiful looking shots. But I particularly like uh, the way they develop a visual contrast between past and present and uh, really help to reinforce that distance. I thought that was just really smart. And also the show's willingness to just go full bore Vaseline on the lens with (laughs) sex scenes and love scenes, just be like, yep. This is what we're doing. Like it or lump it. (laughs)
0: Uh,
3: How about best long take? I I have, again, True Detective. It's not a very creative choice, but it was a very impressive long take uh, for Carrie Fukunaga this this year. Uh, Who do you have for that? Or what do you have?
2: Uh, Well, we keep bringing up Louis, and uh, I feel like I need to mention him uh, and his show when talking about long takes. Because, seriously, while everyone was freaking out about True Detective's long take... Louis was throwing in a long take mm, every week, and mm-hmm. if not one, several. I mean, there are episodes such as "So Did the Fat Lady," which are mostly long takes, and and some of them are like ridiculously long. And uh, I know that it's not as flashy as, let's say, the True Detective long take, which was uh, impressive, but almost in this uh, ostentatious. Uh, Sort of ridiculous way that we, so yeah. you were acknowledging its greatness while it was happening, it feels like an um,
3: exercise, a textbook yeah. example, yeah,
2: right. Like you are meant to notice this. And I and I never, unless I, I was making a point of noticing it it, it, it felt much more naturally integrated on Louis, mostly because it's you know oriented around conversation and not shooting dudes.
3: Yeah, fair enough for costuming, uh, which I know is more my thing than yours. I, of course, have Hannibal, such great. Lovely costuming on Hannibal. Boardwalk Empire, always a strength for them. Uh, But Veep, that hat, that ridiculous, ridiculous hat that she wears. Um, Elementary, I always love how they dress Joan. It's really, and I don't know how much of a, say, Lucy Liu has in that, but I love the way they dress Joan on Elementary. And So You Think You Can Dance. There were some really fun, memorable costumes this season uh, on So You Think You Can Dance, particularly the first one that comes to mind, of course, in the whole vein of awards going to the most, um, is the chess board sequence, but also even just, like, the green dress for Catherine in her dance with Casey, or, um... The, 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 that ridiculous red dress that Jessica wore in the Fernando's Hideaway sequence. It was just a damn dress. Uh, there's There was a lot of really great costuming, obviously, think you can dance this season. How about set design? Uh,
2: I wanted to give a specific shout-out. Not necessarily in terms of set design. I'm kind of cheating here. But uh, the use of, of on-location shooting throughout uh, Comedy Central's lineup in terms of—I'm thinking of Inside Amy Schumer— uh, and key and peel specifically, I think uh, that really elevates their sketches. Even when they don't necessarily work, I think it's one of the things that really helps. Uh, that helps along their visual style and and really helps to quickly sell you on whatever outlandish concept they're working with.
3: Yeah, for this one, I went more with memorable spaces. Then, then full sets for a show. So, like, the safe room in The Honorable Woman was a very distinct space, especially with that mm-hmm. red lighting. Um, the Orient Express train on Doctor Who was just sumptuous and, and lovely. The beach house on Girls, that just that building, that space itself was great. The boat on Happy Valley. Um, the castle in Outlander. And and then Huli, the Huli headquarters on Silicon Valley, were also pretty great too. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a lot of really distinct spaces on TV shows for me this year. How about uh, how about makeup? Do you have any pics here? Or and this could be prostheses, prosthetics, any anything in that vein.
2: Uh, I mean, I don't mean to pile on Rory Kinnear, but. <laughs> <laughs> But the makeup for that character was one, of the, was one of the many, many reasons he didn't work.
3: Fair enough. I'm going to give some love to the Nick for their use of prosthetics and for all of their medical, their makeup uh, sequences. Uh, the Walking Dead is always great at this. Uh, Outlander, Jamie's back, appeared several times, and I thought they did a good job with that. But really, I mean, this is this one is obvious to me, and that's Olive Kittredge. They're aging up and down of that cast was impeccable. Uh, And so, so much uh, credit goes to that makeup department. Uh, How about let's go, uh, let's move on to editing. Uh, What stood out to you this year? Uh,
2: You know, I say this every year and I'll say it one more time. Uh, The good wife has, if not the best editing, uh, some of the best editing ever on TV, in particular, uh, their use of flashback uh, was almost like micro precise This year, it it got to obscene levels of hey, let's what if we just cut in half a second from two seasons ago with these two characters just to show where this character's head is at right now? The efficiency of uh of the editing on The Good Wife is ludicrous, and that's just going beyond the usual uh you know kinetic sense of montage that they have. Uh,
3: I'll throw some love to The Nick, uh, which we've been mentioning a lot here, and also Outlander again. Just we talked about this with. uh... With Mo Ryan, but that that shows point of view um, and its interest in Claire's perspective, in the sex scenes, but in general as well is something that is really refreshing, and that's definitely uh, seen in the editing. Also, the purple wedding of Game of Thrones, I thought that was very well done, and I always got to give some love to the Orphan Black crew because they got to do a lot of careful editing to make that happen. So mm-hmm. some some love for Orphan Black.
2: Yeah, the, the, the editors are the hidden heroes of Orphan Black, for sure.
3: Definitely. Um, so, invention in animation. This is our last category for production. What comes to mind?
2: Uh, I wanted to spotlight a show that I haven't seen enough of, don't watch enough, even though uh, you seem to keep up with it fairly regularly, and that's Gravity Falls. Uh, they have a very distinct... Uh, world going on there, and their sense of playfulness is. Uh, it, whenever I watch it it, is something I, I I pay close attention to. It's such a gorgeous show to look at. Uh, I mean, other obvious choices. Over the Garden Wall created an entire universe unto itself, clearly influenced by you know Wind in the Willows and lots of other things. Neutral Milk Hotel album covers, uh, <laughs> but um, you know there's very much a, a a distinct world to get lost in, and the Adventure Time.
0: Yeah.
3: I have Adventure Time uh specifically Lemon Hope the 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 way that they use the animation in that for the dream sequences was very effective. Um BoJack Horseman's drug trip the way that the animation vacillates between all these different um approaches given his mental state is great uh for gravity falls i specifically enjoyed the their use of stop motion in their halloween episode um and then the last one i'll also mention is of course adventure time uh food chain going with that completely different style for just that episode i thought was really effective but any of these shows have distinct uh visual language which is something i always appreciate in animation um shall we go straight on to the music
2: Oh yes, let's do that.
3: Okay, so uh, we have best and worst score. I pretty much only have bests for this. Do you have any worsts for music? I
2: have a, I have a best, worst, and an eh. Okay, um, go for it. A, a, all noteworthy best. I mean, Cliff Martinez's work on the Nick is insane and and remarkable and is an absolutely a new way forward for scoring period pieces, and I hope everyone is paying attention. It's it's also one of the few TV scores that I would actually just listen to as uh, as an ambient electronic score outside of watching the show. Uh, I mean, he's worked with Soderbergh for a long time, uh, and it shows, and their their synergy is just remarkable. Also wanted to give some love... Uh, I mean, Hannibal's obvious, so I'm just going to skip that. I um, <laughs> uh, want, wanted to give some love to Over the Garden Wall and Fargo, because... Uh, uh, th- Fargo's music really helped carry some of the most memorable uh moments of the show and especially the the opening uh fanfare whenever we got the whenever we finally got the title card in every episode uh was never not uh, a notable moment
3: yeah and that's uh jeff russo is the composer for fargo i got a chance to talk to him at comic-con which was really cool you can find the audio for that up uh earlier in, in our feed the blasting company is the was responsible for the the music for over the garden wall absolutely great choice um i also throw some love to martin phipps his score for the honorable woman especially of course i'm a sucker for it but the use of the violin um, and that was really great. And I got to give some love to, of course you already said Hannibal, Brian Reitzel, uh, fabulous scoring there, but um, Jane the Virgin, I really love the the energy that the score gives to that show. Um, so those, those are my, my other picks. So do we have some, you have some negative picks.
2: Uh, I have a negative and an eh. uh, negative. Whenever I turn my TV on and wait for the good wife to start, it's always Madam Secretary that's on. And whenever Madam Secretary is on, I always remember what a Diet Coke version of the Good Wife it is, right down to the scoring, and uh, just this insipid, awful, uh, schmaltzy string scoring. Uh, never, never. Uh, it 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 always to, manages to distract me with its sheer suckiness. Uh, so I'll point that out.
3: And uh, I'll gotta say, when we get those bits of scoring on the Good Wife, I tend to be supremely underwhelmed because they do such a great job with their soundtrack choices especially their classical music man Carrie walking alone down the street that's some really overwrought scoring and it, moments like that happen more than I would like to admit on'm the good wife
2: yeah I mean I, I only really started noticing that this season for some reason I mean specifically season six mm-hmm. but uh, it's it's definitely been an issue my eh, nomination for scoring as in I don't really know. Um, how does how to say this? But I'm gonna just mention uh, Max Richter on the leftovers because uh, Max Richter's released entire albums that I that I really really enjoy. Uh, I think he's a, he's a supremely talented artist and he's he's done some really good film work as well. Uh, I think his individual themes for the leftovers are gorgeous can we not maybe hear the same one over and over for an entire season, please? (laughs) Uh, Because you're really making me not like that score. And I should really like it because it's gorgeous.
3: Hmm. Uh, How about, uh, how about soundtrack? Uh,
2: I'm going to go slightly uh, left field for best soundtrack. I'm going to give it to Boardwalk Empire. Um, They're uh, whenever they use, I mean, it's all period music and it's stuff that you're never going to hear on any other series. Um, There were maybe cleverer soundtracks and hipper soundtracks on TV this year, but um, the music was always sort of the most consistent joy of Boardwalk Empire for me.
3: Yeah, I have them as well as the Americans, and I also have some love for In the Flesh. I really tend to enjoy the, the soundtrack choices there. And, of course, you can't have soundtrack without worse soundtrack, which clearly goes to the newsroom.
2: Uh the newsroom was the obvious pick. Um, I don't want anyone to forget, though, that Parenthood is still really bad at this.
3: <laughs> Fair enough. How about um musical moment? The the clear correct choice for best musical moment is Bert Cooper. But aside from the world belongs to everyone, uh, what else came to mind for you?
2: Uh, I have a few. There is a moment in Louis when uh we kick into the uh into the flashback portion, as in most of uh, into the woods. And the original uh, I had some issues with the original scoring on Louis this this year, actually. But one of the things that I really loved was, hey, we really can't afford Led Zeppelin's The Rain Song, but we're going to ape it really, really closely. And that's the d- 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 hit you here when you get into uh, when you get into the flashback. And there's this strange, uncanny valley moment of wait. Is this Led Zeppelin? No, but it's awfully close to Led Zeppelin. <laughs> And anyway, I just really got a kick out of that I An honorable mention to uh, a show I don't really watch But I definitely heard about this happening Elementary for uh, its use, uh, I want to say two or three weeks ago Of uh, extreme metal Not once, not twice, but three times in the same episode They were playing Carcass and Artificial Brain and Goat Whore And man, Carcass is one of the best rock bands on the planet So if you're going to give them a shout out for a minute or two on network television I ain't going to complain
3: um, I'll throw some love to the Transparent Talent Show. Uh, such a powerful moment. Uh, I really liked uh Lindsay's performance of Woman's Work on You're the Work uh, on You're the Worst yes. Family. Uh Chalky hearing daughters sing um in the second to last episode of Bournewalk Empire was really powerful for me. Uh the jam session with Amya and Jane on uh Louie and then Food Chain, the Queen of the Night aria as their birds. It's just delightful so those were some of my picks there for musical moments how about original songs so many to choose
2: from uh a lot to choose from uh best very best is actually kind of cheating because it is based on a pre-existing song but they obviously expanded it to new and exciting universes uh it's got to be too many cooks (laughs) i mean that was the the most widespread instant earworm of the year, and there's a reason. And and if you really st- if if you I mean, there's no reason that you should. But the next time you watch, happen to catch too many cooks. If you happen to be awake and stoned at four in the morning, uh, and they re-air it, or you know you could just pull up YouTube, uh, pay some attention to how many variations on the theme appear over the course of that episode, because it's dizzying.
3: There are a lot. Uh, yes, I've already listened to it with that in mind, and. There are a lot. Great pick, of course. Um, I have. I, I limited myself to one per show because otherwise this would be all Adventure Time. Um, right. And I and Daddy's got an arm, just barely edged out little brother, <laughs> because I love how fucked up it is. Um, and everybody kind of knows that poor dear, that poor dear. Uh, stuck on the tower um, So yeah Daddy's got an arm I mean it's just It's so great uh, The Over the Garden Wall The Uh How the gentle winds that, that one of those Different songs um, Thinky Trick Gotta get a shout out um, A Single Man Tier Supernatural And I mm-hmm. really enjoyed um, Here's to the Losers Garfunkel the Notes And lest we forget Orphan Black had a musical This, this season guys That was this season so uh, a little love to to Allison's uh, production as well.
2: Uh, I wanted to give some love to something else that people may have forgotten about, but actually uh, Cheryl's original song on Archer Vice was actually pretty good.
3: Yeah, that's true. It was. It was pretty good. It's pretty good. Um, okay. How about uh, best or worst deployment of a pre-existing song?
2: Um, I don't actually have any worst for this. Uh, there probably should be, but I just have three uh, notable bests. It was an obvious gag, but its placement in the season was just too good. Wild Horses on Bojack Horseman <laughs> was just too perfect. Um, credit placement, I, I wanted to-, to mention one. Uh, Grinderman with uh, Honey Bee Let's Fly to Mars, which plays immediately after uh, the famous uh, single take sequence. it's an unusually, I think there's a level of irony to that choice that was sort of unintentional because the album that it's taken from and that song in particular, there is, is sort of, there's sort of a, uh, sort of an ironic take on, uh, midlife crises, manly man tropes that sort of pop up throughout the writing of, uh, of true detective. So there's sort of a weird level of metacriticism that I don't think they really intended for, but also just a really kick-ass tune to help dissipate the energy of that sequence. Uh, but the number one that I wanted to mention, uh, this sort of goes into montage, which we were going to talk about. I'm not sure if you remember this, uh, but in, uh, two Boats and a helicopter, the leftovers, the use of, uh, love will keep us together by, ca- <laughs> by the captain and Tennille. Yeah. Holy crap. That was the moment that sold me on the leftovers. Uh, the use of this, uh, bouncy, ridiculous pop song in the midst of just the most, uh, horrifically dark time in this, in this character's life beautiful. Like, I, that's the sort of thing that I need more sort of prestige dramas to try to do.
3: <laughs> um, I have My Way, Mad Men, such a perfect song choice. Uh, time period-wise, but also just for those characters. It was a lovely moment. Um, S.H.I.E.L.D., God Help the Girl, because it introduced that song to me. It was so... Uh, and I just basically had it stuck in my head for weeks, so I was uh, glad that it, you know... Especially... I don't expect that from S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, I expect great song track choices from the americans i don't expect that from shield so it was a nice right race. yeah and then my number one is the hannibal the use of the Mahler adagietto which is so disturbing um for those who don't listen to my hannibal podcast that i that i do they co-host with uh, sean Colletti.
5: spoiler alert spoiler alert spoilers ahead for hannibal season two Fast forward sixty seconds to remain spoiler free.
3: Um, so, basically, the the feast that Will prepares, he le- lays out his uh, self defense victim on the table, uh, and they cook him, and they eat dinner together of this guy, of this person. And Will's fully aware of what he's eating, and it's it's scored to the movement of Mahler's Fifth Symphony that he composed as a love poem to his wife. So it's the (laughs) ultimate statement of love. And it's... Mahler wrote this poem to his wife and then composed this theme. And it's absolutely lush and gorgeous and just the most beautiful themes and, and idea ever. And it's Hannibal and Will sharing a lovely, loving dinner of Long Pig. It doesn't hurt that I was playing it that night. I had a gig. <laughs> I was playing it i and I thought to myself, actually, oh man, what if they used this on Hannibal? I really hope they don't, and then got home from my gig and watched Hannibal to see them bastardized and you know it, it was it's perfectly fitting for the scene as well, but it's just so disturbing to me, so that had to be had to be on my list.
2: Well, and also, there's the knowledge when you're watching Hannibal that they know what they're doing. It's not an accident. It's not like, oh, this is pretty. We'll use this.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, anyways, that is my best deployment of a pre-existing song. How about dance sequence? I basically only have one here, uh, but, uh, but w- what did you have here?
2: Well, I mean, you. I'm cheating a little bit because you mentioned it already, but Bert Cooper's uh, send-off, Odd Mad Men. I think of that more as a dance sequence than a musical sequence, but... Uh, it's mm-hmm. obviously both.
3: Yeah. Uh how about started from the bottom now we're here. Broad City.
2: Yes. Uh as much as i abhor Drake and all he stands for, uh that was an absolutely fantastic sequence.
3: And a perfect encapsulation uh for any of the uh, those of us who know what it's like to be holy crap it's a real check. Let's <laughs> go deposit it before they cancel it. Uh yeah. Yes. <laughs> Such a great uh encapsulation of that feeling. Uh the the clone uh Dance Party on Orphan Black was fun. Um, The Line Dancing on Bob's a couple weeks ago. The Dance Off on Enlisted. And of course, I already mentioned My Way for Mad Men. Um, Our last category here is Montage. And I, you know, I had trouble with this one. Um, They tend to blend together into shows that use montage as opposed to specific sequences for me. So the one that I have here is the the training montage in Dentist for Adventure Time. was pretty great. Uh, What came to mind for you for Best Montage?
2: Uh I mean I sort of already mentioned one, but you know what was the what was the best montage this year? It was all the sad montages from Sons of Anarchy that I didn't have to watch. <laughs>
1: yes. Yes. <laughs> Nailed it. Ah, oh,
3: nice, nice. Did you have any others you want to mention or said it?
2: No, that was literally the that best one. That was
3: literally the best one. Fair enough. Uh, that is a that is a fabulous choice. And we're going to end on that note, take a break, and come back with our awards for writing and sequences. We'll be right back after this.
4: Where are you? Little brother Are you happy? Or do you feel weird? Have you changed a lot? Or not? Are you ever gonna come back here? I shouldn't He's gonna find his dad, daddy's got an arm, and baby's gonna harm his arm by tearing it off his dad.
1: This place smells like butter, bacon, sausage, and juice.
4: Gonna mess with breakfast princess, cause she called me Pamplemousse. Hello daddy, hello mommy, it's so nice to be here with you now. How pleasant to be living in the present. A peasant eating crud instead of pheasant Just like this cat and dirty adolescent To feed, that's all I need I'm fab and fit and fine and firm and able No longer need a baby for a table Can't pin me down with any kind of label I'm free. I'm free. That's all I need, that's all I need Down the
3: next up we have our awards for writing uh so this one you know we'll talk about this this is a little bit more challenging for us i think um than some of the other categories because how do you single out just you know without just ending up with all of your best picks like your shows that are the highest rated i'm so curious what your approach was but first up we have best writing comedy
2: right um I mean, I, I guess that's sort of just what I did for this category, sort of. Uh, I wanted to, to specifically single out girls uh, because uh, I think, I mean, Lena Dunham is no stranger to criticism. Uh, and obviously she's not the only person working on this series. But I think in this in this season in particular, uh, she and her staff really found an amazing sense of balance in terms of uh, allowing in uh, sort of, uh, you know, the darker elements that have sort of become the show's raison d'être. Um, with, uh, self-deprecation and self-knowledge, uh, and, and, like, levels of self-knowledge that she herself seems to sometimes lack, which is really weird. Uh, So I wanted to single out that just for its, uh, strange levels of achievement.
3: We've already talked about the Broad City finale, but that's one of my picks. The Veep, uh, their debate episode I thought was fantastic. And uh, for a little bit more obscure choice, Garfunkel and Oates, Speechless, I think it was just hilarious. That's the episode where they they full-on Little Mermaid it, where they don't speak on their blind dates uh, that they have coming up and see how that progresses in their relationship. Just the concept is fabulous, and the execution throughout the episode is is very well done, Uh is is done very well. Is uh, is also uh, just really well executed. And just the execution through the episode is just really spot on. Um, so, uh, I wanted to mention those. There, of course, we could say pretty much any episode of the other comedies that are in our the tops of our our top twenty. But um, let's move on instead to to drama. And this... oh
2: oh, I had a worst.
3: Oh, you had worst. Oh, okay, what's
2: your worst? Just for sheer. How did this get made? Who thought this was funny? Who thought this worked? How did these people not do better? Mulaney. Whenever it was on, I was just, I was stunned at how badly it was written. And everything else, too, but specifically the writing.
3: Fair enough. That is a solid choice. I didn't, I should have gone over my, the, all the terrible pilots I watched, because I watched a lot of bad ones. How about I throw some some love here? Worst comedy writing mixology. Not funny. Yeah. Really bad. Really really bad. Um but yeah, let's let's move on to best writing and drama and I don't actually have a pick for this because it just was ending up with all the same shows. I guess the one that I don't have in my top 20 that I would single out would be uh Fight from Masters of Sex.
2: Mhm. That's a really good choice and probably the best episode they've they've ever done. Uh I wanted to single out Penny Dreadful not necessarily for its season crafting or anything like that but for one specific element. Uh, and that I think was probably the most compelling this notion of taking on uh supernatural phenomenon throughout history in this almost dry scholarly way, uh, you know, whether approaching it medically or historically, I think especially in the first three or four episodes that really drew me in and this notion of, of taking on uh, baldly ridiculous ideas in this uh, in this literary fashion. I think was really beautifully handled and something that I I can't remember another show doing, at least not to this degree. So I think that was just one of the most interesting things about that show.
3: Uh, Great, great pick. Uh, Very interesting. Um, Yeah. And I, again, like we've said, I'm looking forward to season two and hopefully they'll be able to expand on that and make some other adjustments as well to, to bring that to the next level to really make that those themes come through Uh, for worst writing, just, I mean, stalker, Right? Are there anything else come to mind?
2: Uh, I mean, the newsroom is obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, just we we we've already talked at length about that. We don't need to do that again or ever think about the newsroom ever again in our lives. Yes. Um. Yeah. I mean, mostly all the shows I didn't watch because I knew they'd be bad, and then they were bad. <laughs> and then and, and yeah and uh, I don't want to harangue American Horror Story too much, but Freak Show has really bungled it. Uh, I think which is which is really too bad.
3: Okay, how about sketch comedy? Which are the sketches that stood out to you as your your highlights of the year?
2: Uh, well, one early standout from a show that I think uh could have stood to be more consistent was definitely uh inside Amy Schumer's The Food Room, uh her take on 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 Sorkinese, complete with Josh Charles, uh was so spot on and could have. Honestly, should have made the rounds again uh, right when the newsroom came back because uh, it was just so on the money.
3: It was fantastic. I ha- it was. I only have two picks here because for me, there are two that stood out above the rest. Um, and that was one of them. The other was the Urkel sketch from Key and Peele because, damn, they're both hilarious.
2: And in the case of the Urkel sketch, terrifying.
3: <laughs> How about our next one, which was a significant challenge for me? So many options here best and worst monologue
2: uh oh okay so i've got two for uh, for best and one for worst um a best is one that i didn't see a lot of love for but when i rewatched it it really popped uh todd berry's great day on louis um, talking about just the the banal his little banal triumphs over the course of a single evening uh, and the and especially the rapt attention in in the bar just an incredible sequence uh and so so funny and it's it's the sort of thing that todd berry was born to do uh so that and you know take your pick from last week tonight
3: (laughs) all of them uh also so said the fat lady the the culminating monologue there is really great i mean so much of like i feel like half of the normal heart was really powerful monologues um so there's that, uh, as well as any number of of scenes that we get, um, like the the Hannibal or some of these other shows that are already we've been saying them enough. I don't need to, to go to them. So so I'll stick with with those two. Um, as for uh, worst monologue, the the newsroom. <laughs> it, Which one? Just as as you know as a piece, it feel like it feels it? like Sorkin's monologue.
2: I would single out uh, Will McAvoy's day in court. Mm-hmm. That's particularly bad. Uh, in particular, bad. just the judge being like, "Oh, say your piece by all means, bloviate." <laughs> just, oh, Jesus. Um, my my original choices for this category, by the way, were uh, best to True Detective for uh, Matthew McConaughey's first monologue and worst to True Detective for Matthew McConaughey's thousandth monologue.
3: <laughs> I did actually like his closing monologue that he got about the stars and the darkness and the light and everything. That really did work for me. Also, it occurs to me I should mention Aiden Young's uh, pre- like the the when he has to say what he's done um, in court, when he has to confess to something that he did not do. The performance mm-hmm. through that is just absolutely fantastic. Uh, I, I don't know if that quite counts because there's a little bit of back and forth. I don't know if that quite counts as a monologue, but I felt like this was the best place to put it. How about best or worst writing for a single episode? So not necessarily the season as a whole, but just one that really stood out.
2: Um, I mean, obviously the, the two, the the two sort of standalone, uh, character based episodes on the leftovers were incredible. Uh, the good wife, uh, I mean, any of the pivotal episodes from last season, season five, uh, that aired this year, lots of good, lots of good options there. You already mentioned fight on masters of sex, uh, Another great, also a great one for monologues, uh, and just an incredible showcase for those two actors. Also the easy, the easy highlight of that entire season. Uh, Yeah, so those are all great. Uh, Can I mention a worst? I'll go for it. As in a wow, you guys really fucked that up right off the bat. The Gotham pilot. (laughs) Uh, Just. I think they that I mentioned that one specifically not because it's necessarily the worst episode, but because they just shot themselves in the foot so much with that setup that I, I kind of feel like it couldn't be uh, easily redeemed, at least not without serious reconstruction.
3: And see, I was uh, I was solid with the uh, Gotham pilot. I thought it was OK um, and really just I, I had so much hope for what it could be with that cast. And then uh, but anyways, uh, for single episodes, I'll single out uh, The Last Call for The Good Wife, uh, which just destroyed me, as well as um, I just thought basically the ones that you already mentioned. Uh, and so especially with the um, the episodes, uh, Best Writing Comedy and Drama that we already mentioned, um, how about Best or Worst Crafting of a Season? This is basically the Americans in Review Award, right?
2: <laughs> uh, and you're the worst.
3: Yep. And for me, uh, Hannibal. you're the
2: worst. It did, did, uh, could be Hannibal. Uh, you're the worst was the one I singled out because people don't tend to think of comedies when they think of uh, season structuring. But I think uh, hopefully shows like You're the Worst in Review will uh, really redefine that. Uh, for worst, I'm going to go a little bit mean and single out a show I actually like, but I think kind of dropped the ball, and that's Orphan Black uh the the notion of of uh who they the the villains they decided to orient the season around and the conflicts and characters they decided to focus on uh as a whole didn't really work for me it was one of the one of those shows where individual parts were great but the whole just didn't really add up for me
3: yeah we got to the end of the season and there still was no villain there needs to be a villain. I love that they want to humanize all of the clones, and they want to make everybody relatable. That is great. But somebody needs to be the bad guy. If you're going to have it be this in this sort of B-movie, campy, um, but really emotionally ch- uh, charged kind of show, there needs to be a bad guy. And there still isn't one, so I'm with you yeah, on that. It's
2: Especially glaring when you've got so many actors ca- so capable of being the bad guy.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hugely. Hugely capable, yeah, definitely. Um, Michelle the,
2: Forbes, for fuck's sake.
3: I know. How do you? Oh, anyways, <laughs> uh, the the other one I'll mention as a as a best is Over the Garden Wall. The way that that season culminates, or the mini I guess, but the ten episodes culminates is really powerful, and especially having the ninth episode be the flashback uh, is very effective. So that that wraps up our uh, our writing awards. Let's go to our sequences awards. How about what is your best or worst action se- set piece?
2: um best is gonna go to a show that uh we thought had kind of a down season but i think it still had two great uh set pieces or showdowns uh that's justified uh first up is obviously alan tudyk and the automatic shotgun (laughs) which was just uh, as much as it wasn't a great season of justified that was a killer action sequence talk about Uh, characters
3: they need to spend more time with
2: man oh yeah that we really needed like that guy alan tudyk should really have been around for more of that season there's a guy who needs to get more uh, more diverse work. Great in comedy, but uh, equally great being a fucking badass. Um, and uh, I also wanted to mention the showdown with Danny Crow, uh, and the the payoff to the was it the fifteen foot rule?
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah,
2: that was maybe not some not a great big action set piece, I guess, but uh, but just a, a really. Justified has done so many variations on the mano-a-mano showdown that it shouldn't still be coming up with good ways to resolve them, especially when we know that Raylan will never die until maybe the last episode, and somehow it manages to keep that working, even when other things aren't, so I wanted to mention those.
3: Great, great picks. I have the the Arrow finale from uh, this spring. Uh, it, the spring. The fight in the tunnels was spectacular. Really, that, the entire... Finale was full of great fight scenes. The so the one we get with uh, Manu Bennett and uh, as Slade at the end of that is also really very strong. Um, and
2: do they make it believable that anyone could ever beat up Manu Bennett?
3: They do a good job, yeah. Because you know, say what you will about Arrow, the show and the character. Uh, you know that he's that that lead is very very talented. Uh, physically, he's very capable at uh, portraying character. As well as just badassery in his uh mm-hmm. in his physical sequences um and also uh Jack and hannibal on uh on Hannibal, the opening and closing uh you know episodes of the season and, and especially the way that they brought it back and used the same sequence but re scored it and there might have been some tweaks to the editing, but I mean you get that great line he's in the pantry which is hilarious. You get uh, the the Jack holding Hannibal over his back. The, this is a fight scene where you get to see exactly who these characters are, the type of person they are in how they fight, and that's something I always appreciate. Also, I want to give a shout-out to Fargo, the blizzard, and everything that goes down there. Uh, one of the most tense moments of the year, certainly, is when you're waiting to see who's been shot. Um, and just how seriously so. Uh, I thought that was very effective. Do you have any uh, worst actions that pieces?
2: Uh, I mean, it's not so much worst as most appropriately deflating, which was uh, the showdown on True Detective. Yeah, that's <laughs> the true. End. It's like, yeah, that was just kind of a series of things that happened.
3: Really stereotypical. Uh, yeah. I'll also throw in the very confusing end to uh, the the mid-season finale of Walking Dead with all the canted angles and everything. It's just, I get what they're going for, but it didn't, we couldn't actually see what was happening. And the, if you're gonna, you know, have a significant death, then y- we should be able to see what's happening. Um, so, so a negative, and, and usually the Walking Dead is very good. Actually, they're one of my picks for overall stunts. I have Game of Thrones, uh, and we'll get, more there uh but banshee walking dead and arrow and an honorable mention to shield who has really been upping their game in their fight scenes this this season i got to say uh speaking of do you have any best fight scenes
2: um i mean game of thrones is a big dumb obvious one
3: but which one so many options
2: so many op- oh right yeah there were mo- i mean all of them i mean the the most memorable of course being the the uh the, the the duel at the end of the season and of course um My, viper versus the mountain being the uh, the big obvious ones, uh on a uh on a sort of smaller scale I did love uh, the Alvy and Ryan face off in the gym the the drunken brawl in the gym basically uh which uh, I mean the actual the actual MMA fights were fine but uh, that was the one that really uh that. Because there are no rules, you really don't know how far they're gonna take it, and you also don't know who's going to quote win or if anyone will. Uh, so just just for just for the moment of oh they're doing this shit. Uh, that was and obviously Matt Lauria versus Frank Grillo is a pretty even matchup.
3: Well, you say that they're doing this
0: shit.
3: Uh, that's Brienne and the Hound for me, because as a book reader of Game of Thrones, it's there are certain scenes that uh, are, are created for the series that aren't in the book but not a badass fight scene like that that was amazing and it was such a great surprise for fans of the book like myself where it was just basically a holy shit Brienne and the Hound clash of the titans I don't know who I want to win I want them both to win <laughs> but but they can't both win because that's not who they are. It would be untrue to who the people are, and and so like oh my god, it's, it was such a fantastic sequence uh, and one that you really felt. They they looked like they were in pain. They looked like they were working their butt off, you know, wielding those ridiculously enormous swords. Uh, Yeah, great fight scene. Definitely. For me, and other people really love the Mountain and the Viper, but for me, it's all about Brienne and the Hound. And then uh, Kingdom, J winning in like 10 seconds was just hilarious. <laughs> if that. So I had to give a shout out to that. I know that in our, all of our discussions, these action sequences... We did not mention the fight at the wall for Game of Thrones. We did not mention um, Banshees. Uh, see, there's a bunch of them that didn't come up for us. And I think that's just because, at least for me, the ones that stick in my mind are the ones that are more based in character, not just spectacle.
2: Right, yeah. And, like, obviously the whole wall sequence is uh, amazing in terms of expense and expanse, but uh, they're not necessarily oriented around the characters you care most about.
3: So that being said... You know nothing John snow very uh, definitely a sad face for that um how about uh, next up we have uh dream sequences best or worst dream sequence
2: um this is a tough one uh, I already mentioned uh, the I mean i, I I'm loath to mention my number one but uh, the the dream sequence in the Americans complete with Stan's subconscious recognition of what Martha's up to in the office mm-hmm. uh, that was probably the cleverest moment of any of, of uh, of almost any series this year.
3: <laughs> that's that's a very strong pick. Um, I don't know if it counts as dream sequence, but I really did love our final kind of um, couch scenes with Ryan and Wilfred. On Wilfred, I thought that season ended. The more distance I get from Wilfred, the stronger I feel like it ended. Um, also, uh, for dream sequences, um, just the little flashes of fantasy that we continue to get on The Good Wife. Uh, you know when when we have you'll be my successor you know from you know like those those are nice little moments of aside and um yeah i think i think the other my other picks don't necessarily fall into dream sequence so i'll leave it there do you have any worse dream sequence
2: nothing really comes to mind i can't really i mean that used to be a problem like hokey dream sequences especially on dramas but i feel like those have really leveled out
3: fair enough. Uh yeah, I think fewer shows are doing them, so usually if they're doing them, they're doing a pretty good job with them. Um how about best and worst opening credits for new series or or new credits for older series?
2: Uh I was uh, for I mean we we have separate categories for theme song and credits, so these things always kind of blend together in my mind. I will say uh best for a new series, it's hard not to go with transparent. Uh the combination of the theme and the visual design just absolutely pulls you into that space. It also prepares you uh in a really sly way for the flashback episodes, uh, complete with the so the sort of the old home movies and the and the nostalgic feel. Uh it just it, it defines the emotional tenor of the show so well.
3: Yeah, I think that's a great pick. Uh, I have last week tonight. I think that's such a fun uh and colorful and creative way to do those opening credits. And enlisted <laughs> Yes we're soldiers. Uh it's pretty great uh, as well. Um worst bojack horseman whether or not i like a th- opening new opening theme song is easy to tell uh if it's a show i'm streaming because if it's transparent i happily sit through the credits every time as i binge watch and if it's bojack horseman i li- i go oh that's those are fun credits and then the second episode i go uh yeah okay we get it you're trying to be mad men and then the third time i just do my best to skip immediately past them
2: I think the issue with the Bojack Horseman opening is that it is too long. It's really I think if long. It was, if it was twenty seconds, it would be fine. I, the The theme song by Patrick Carney of the Black Keys, I think, is is actually really nice sounding. Um, it's 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 a, it's earwormy enough, but yeah, it's just it's it's way too long.
3: How about uh, best or worst theme song, as opposed to the
2: credits? Um, this is, well, I mean, it's sort of both, but uh, I and it's only. It's it's so harsh because it's only like ten seconds long, but I really, really, really hate the opening to Benched, <laughs> the 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 design and the Hey now, just oh, it's so cloying. Oh <laughs> God, if they got rid of that, the show immediately improves like a whole grade.
3: Fair enough. Uh, for me, I really love the theme song to The Affair, uh, which we've talked about off air, but I don't think we've ever really mentioned it on air. Uh, every time, I'm happy to sit through the credits. I love the energy of it. Uh, the vocals, but also uh, the rhythm that comes in a- after a little bit. I think it ties in really nicely with the uh, the visuals of the credits as well. But for me, it really is about that song, the Fiona Apple song. There,
2: yeah. The um, apparently uh, Sarah Treem and other people, uh, etc., are just huge Fiona Apple fans and asked her to to create something original based on based on the themes of the show. And I love that she just she wrote a, a whole original song that is like 70 seconds long and uh, and brings in her usual... Uh, it, it, it sounds very much of a piece with her most recent record, uh, the name of which escapes me at the moment. The, the reason the name escapes me is because it was insanely long. It starts with the idler wheel. Uh, <laughs> so if, if you enjoy that, you might want to check out the record. But yeah, it's an absolutely gorgeous theme. And the, the accompanying visuals are quite nice as well.
3: Um, do you have any picks for catchiest theme song? What's the most earwormy?
2: Um... Again, only about 15 seconds long, but I I always groove along to the opening to Broad City. Mm. Uh, perfect, perfect length and tenor and vibe for, for setting up that show every time.
3: Um, I'm going to give it to Garfunkel and Oates uh, because I could sing it for you right now, and I haven't watched Garfunkel and Oates in months. Um, so it, it, it fits very well with the the, se- the sense of humor of the show and the, the leads um, and it's earwormy it's catchy enough that i still haven't been memorized uh and that show went off the air in like august or september so um that gets my pick which wraps up our uh writing and sequences awards so now we'll take a break and we'll come back with our season-long awards and our moments best moments so we'll be right back after this <sighs>
1: behind a mask so strong worried that he could be wrong I wish that he could see the way I see him the perfect brother a man without sin cuz A single man, dear.
4: Another coin down the drain. Now that's some change that won't last. 25 cents at a time, he's taking our souls.
3: Next up, it's the season-long and moment categories. That's right, there's more. So let's kick things off with the season with the most spectacular burnout. Uh, I have two for this. I have Masters of Sex and I have True Detective. Uh, True Detective, it wasn't that spectacular burnout. It, I still think it was fine. The ending was fine. But it was so much fun to interact with and to, like, fans came up with all these really awesome, amazing theories and they were all so much more interesting than anything the show wanted to do.
2: I feel like all the shows that had the, 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 the most significant burnouts were the ones that had the best buildup because they promised something that they just couldn't deliver. And True Detective was a great example of that. Uh, Fargo, to a lesser degree. Uh, I think I probably had almost exactly the same problems with both of those finales. Uh, Masters of Sex, the same thing. Such a great... Uh, the. There were episodes in the first half that were so uh, that built on what the first first season had done, and then the second half just (laughs) kaploo.
3: Um, how about seasons with the best slow build? See, I have Fargo here because for me, the anticlimax of the finale really worked. Uh, I totally bought into it, and I don't think they set them up to be going as strange a place with all the, you know, like, as True Detective did with all the King and Yellow stuff. The other ones I have for this category are really straightforward. Uh, we've already talked about it plenty, the Americans in review. Uh, but, but yeah, this, there were some pretty uh, notable burnouts this year, but when I went to look for really satisfying season arcs, there were, it was really only the the really obvious ones i guess you know i throw playing house in there too that had a satisfying arc as well but for the most part it was uh some less satisfying answers here uh the for a similar answer for best season long mystery who i have who killed philip and elizabeth's friends on the american i thought that really paid off but that was the main one i thought of
2: that was literally the only one i could think of because generally season long mysteries are a bad idea is the secret thing that we learned this year because <laughs> they it's they're, they're really really hard. They're harder than you think they are. They're a really great way to capture attention and a really really great great way to lose that attention.
3: Yeah. Well, for Worst Season Long Mystery, I have the honorable woman because everybody should have figured out the mystery in the first episode, but they kept whispering about secrets on that show for like another secrets. five or six episodes. As much as I did really <laughs> like it, um, the, the way that they stretched out the reveal of the the, the kids' parentage was really, uh, I mean, I don't know who they thought they were fooling with that.
2: Can, Did you- can I, uh, I haven't gotten any further in, in Honorable Woman past the few, first few episodes, so I, I, I can't answer that one for sure. You know a really big, obvious, dumb mystery that you're forgetting? What? Sherlock.
3: Oh, yeah, no, that, we're gonna get there. <laughs> we're gonna get there. Uh, do you have any uh, other uh, season-long mysteries?
2: Uh no I think we're covered.
3: Okay well let's go to finale payoffs. Um uh just moments or lines. Uh, episodes that had really good finales. Uh, I have for Game of Thrones but you will fly which I thought was such a lovely moment in the books so it was really well captured in the TV show. Um, Wilfred I thought ended. Um, the further I get from it the the more I like the ending of Wilfred. Bojack Horseman I really like the anticlimax of that girls mm-hmm. that moment with the envelope and then parks and rec and you know i should have mentioned this earlier in the original songs but that the giant concert they throw and everybody's singing uh, bye bye little sebastian your ten thousand candles in the wind was was a pretty great way and then with the jump time jump forward that really energized that finale and got uh set a very distinct um, plan in action for their final season
2: um those are all great uh yeah I, I we don't really have a category for this so i'm gonna choose this time to mention it uh i love the the trend of time jumps this year yeah <laughs> there were a lot of them uh it was probably the most notable thing about the last season of parks and rec uh worked beautifully in fargo uh flashbacks worked great in uh in everything from bojack horseman to transparent to lots of other stuff i'm probably forgetting
3: we had the time jump in one of the other best episodes of masters of sex where we got yes. that that montage of uh uh of uh, betty in all the different outfits
2: yes uh we need way more temporal play in our in our series because it's it's a it's a whole realm that i think pe- shows are not doing enough with oh it was also one of the best aspects of early, early episodes of true detective as well
3: yeah definitely uh I, my worst finale payoff here is just as obvious there's only one answer as far as i'm concerned uh himym him. what the fuck guys <laughs>
2: Ah, uh, wow! That is, I'd, I'd, I'd forgotten about him. him. Yeah. Um. Actually, no, I had himium for a di- for a for a different category, so I, I guess we'll get there. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah, There's I didn't hear any coherent defense of that finale.
3: Yep, yep. My most underappreciated finale or payoff is one everybody's been praising this, but you know how sometimes there, you watch a moment or you watch an episode or watch a movie, and. Everybody around you says, "Oh yeah, that was really great. That was really good." And you go, "Yeah, no, but you don't understand." You <laughs> Yes, it's that, but it's so much more. That's how I feel about the end of Mad Men, ending that that Bird Cooper sequence. I I think most people have no comprehension of how much I adore that. How 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 like deeply personal it is to me. This is why I love musical theater. This is what a musical theater moment can be and it's so powerful and just cutting back to dawn, and the door shuts right as the music cuts out and that so that so that is my most underappreciated finale or payoff is because everybody's praising it but but no seriously guys it's you don't even you don't even know you don't even know how much I love that
2: yeah and it, even the whole level of song choice had never even really occurred to me like oh it's a this is a fun song it's nice for for Robert Morris to to break out his uh heretofore unseen singing and dancing skills uh unseen on the show I should say um long and storied career but uh the choice of the you know the best things in life are free uh is perfect. Uh, is beautifully ironic for a character who's who's has seemed to always be about the accumulation of wealth and capital and yet uh had this other dimension that we never really got to see uh yeah. And, yeah, so that was just, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, people, pe- pe- everyone thought, duh, but no one was really thinking about the other levels.
3: Yeah. Um, do you have a, a pick for that or for overappreciated finale?
2: Overappreciated, uh, I would I, I have one for underappreciated, one for overappreciated. Underappreciated, I think Rectify did some really ballsy stuff in its finale. Uh, could have gone its whole run without ironing some stuff out that it did in that finale. And I would have been perfectly happy if it hadn't. Uh, but it did. And that makes me think that they have a, a specific game plan for what's happening with that. And uh, that's not a bad move. Over And for overappreciated, and I guess by this I mean not complained about enough, would be uh, the final shot of the Nick. <laughs> uh, just the sheer, leaden obviousness of that shot. Uh, oh, just It signals everything that's wrong with that show. And that as much as I love so many things about it aesthetically and, um, you know, certain episodes were great, certain characters were great, uh, that shot was just like, I wanted to smack my head against things.
3: That is a great pick. Preach! I'm 100% on board. I could not agree more. And uh, it was driving me crazy. I saw praise for that finale. I was like, how? how was their preacher for that finale? Just because of that last shot. And um, so I'm glad that it's on your list, even if it's, it's not on mine. I, I just went with Doctor Who uh, because there was some stuff that really did work. But uh, for a, a lot of that, really, for me, did, did not. So you can read my review at Sound On Sight if you would like to know my full thoughts about the Doctor Who finale.
2: Next up is uh, best surprise slash worst disappointment for a returning series. Uh, I'm going to start off with a surprise. And uh, I guess it's kind of cheating because I didn't really watch it, but I'll say uh, The Resurgent Walking Dead, I think, was a surprise. And uh, so much so that it it garnered think pieces about how much of a surprise it was. Uh, so good on you, Scott, M. Gimple & Co., for making a better version of that show I'm not watching.
3: And uh, we're going to get to my thoughts on that a little bit later. Uh, I picked Girls because uh, as much as I already was very positive on the show. I, I very much remember watching it week in and week out and just going, it's just getting better. It's like every week is really, really good. So I didn't expect it to be as consistent as it was this season and for each of the characters to to feel as consistently uh, drawn and and portrayed. Usually there's one part of the show that's not maybe working quite as well as the others or it's just really infuriating with Marty sometimes. Um, But this season it felt very balanced. And so I gave... Uh, my biggest surprise, uh, returning show to Girls, have a biggest disappointment besides, you know, Justified. We've talked about that.
2: Any others? Uh, no, Justified is really the one that towers over it. And it wasn't even a bad season. But, yeah, just watching it plummet in, in the poll and in everyone's mentions and everyone's estimation was just was really depressing. And I really hope they can bounce back.
3: Yeah, I've got Sherlock on here. I've got, because uh, I'm, no, I'm no longer a fan of Sherlock. Uh, so well done on that. Off it Anyways, uh, uh, Sleepy Hollow as well, uh, and then I also have Key and Peele, just because I think they've really struggled with that longer episode order. The last few weeks, I've barely laughed at the show, and I still really like the show, and I still really respect everybody involved with it, but I think it's because I did so love it last year, and I thought it was so consistent that this year it's, it's a lot more hit and miss for me. Um, how about, what are your best surprises for new shows?
2: Uh, well, <sighs> I mean, there are some obvious ones in terms of things that we all thought were a bad idea, but in terms of things that I didn't know existed and then just ambushed me with their greatness, I mean, Over the Garden Wall has to be the big one. Uh, just because I literally, I, I found out about it probably, I don't know, two or three days before I watched it. Uh, probably not more than that. And it was just, it was so, so great on every level that we've already talked about. Um for, uh, for new disappointments, uh, the big one that stands out to me in my recollection is The Red Road, uh, Sundance's second original series, and just you watched all of it, and I only saw the first couple episodes, but it has completely left my recollection because it was just so incredibly unmemorable.
3: Yeah, I, for best surprises, I have *Over the Garden Wall*, *Jane the Virgin*, uh, which we've talked about plenty as well. *Playing House* and *Enlisted*. I had heard a lot of buzz about *Enlisted*, but then it got pushed to mid-season, and so I didn't quite know what to expect. Um, and the the initial ads just made it look re- kind of goofy. But I I ended up really having so much fun with that show, um, and you know, much uh, much missed. Wish it had gotten a season two. But for disappointments, I also have The Red Road. And yeah, I reviewed it every week over at Sound On Sight. And it was the biggest disappointment for me was that I feel like on paper so much of it should work. Uh, Jason Momoa, I think, has the potential to be absolutely tremendous. And Julianne Nicholson gave in actually a really strong performance throughout that season. Um, And I I was trying to find a, a place on these different lists to put her. It's just there was so much great TV that I couldn't knock off other people for a really good performance on an otherwise underwhelming show. Um, There's a category similar to that, but it's coming later. Uh, So, so, yeah, the the Red Red was definitely a disappointment. And then just, you know, Mind Games. Kyle Killen.
2: Oh, I'd forgotten about Mind Games, which is weird because I brought it up just a few days ago, trying to remember if it had been canceled or not. It was after a month and two days.
3: Yeah. (sighs) One of these days, Kyle Killen will get another show off the air. And, I mean... Obviously, Awake only lasted a season, but that is probably the most fully formed of the ones he's done. Uh, I would love to see him get another full season of something, uh, hopefully with slightly different themes.
2: He's sort of like Brian Fuller's, like, uh, malformed twin that, he that like, whenever he gets a couple episodes of a show-off, he gets shoved back into the attic. <laughs>
3: Fair enough. uh, That's an entertaining visual, nothing else. A couple other surprises for me. um, Josh Hartnett on Penny Dreadful. It was really great to watch him grow in that role. And by the end, he was one of the strongest parts of it for me. And Cosmos actually doing well.
0: Cosmos was a thing
3: again, and people watched it, and it was awesome. I'm so glad yeah. to see it actually, you know, not just be a prestige project uh, or, or let's keep Seth MacFarlane happy kind of thing, but that it actually found an audience. Uh, I was so glad, and hopefully we'll get more.
2: Yeah, uh, and I would add to that, um, not every pre-existing franchise thing doing well.
3: <laughs> yes, that's another. It's another good one. Uh, my biggest uh, disappointment in the other category is. <sighs> Game of Thrones ending without Lady Stoneheart. You don't know what that means. I'm keeping it spoiler free. No, I, I
2: I actually do know what that means. You do
3: know what that means? And they like, yes. ah! They, there were like photos on Twitter that were teasing the finale that heavily implied she'd be in it. And then they didn't. And sure, whatever. It makes for a better episode on a TV thing. Whatever. My inner fangirl is really annoyed. So that was my worst disappointment.
2: Kind of think they're never going to do it, by the way.
3: Oh, they're going to do it. They're totally going to do it. Um, But let's move on. Uh, Breakthrough performance. Gina Rodriguez, Jane the Virgin. Anything else come to mind?
2: Uh, The entire cast of You're the Worst.
3: Oh, that's true. All all of them.
2: All of them new. All of them exciting.
3: (laughs) I have uh, The Walking Dead as my breakthrough series. Because like you said, obviously... It's the most watched show on, on, on television, so it's not like it broke through to a new audience, but it broke through to a new level of storytelling and character focus and uh, even just performance this year. So uh, despite its shaky end to this most recent half season, uh, that was my breakthrough series, the series that gained the most ground with me. How about you? Uh,
2: I mean, that's a good choice. For breakthrough, I mean— I would say, uh, I mean, transparent is kind of an obvious choice uh, because it defines breakthrough on several different levels. Uh, I mean, breakthrough for subject matter, breakthrough for a new content source, uh, breakthrough in terms of uh, what we think of in, uh, can work for elite performance and also on certain formal levels. So I think I, I interpreted breakthrough differently.
3: Fair enough. Fair enough, that works. Um, how about uh, what is your best overall network? There can be only one. Which
2: would you choose? Wait a minute. Are are we? Are, how are we defining network for this answer?
3: Uh, well, I would say you should explain that with your answer.
2: Uh, well, if we take that to mean uh, any content source, uh, as opposed to like one of the big four or the big five, uh, then I'm going with uh, Comedy Central because they. In terms of uh, filling their niche, uh, there are still a couple of their shows I haven't seen, but uh, they put out the most uh, quality series and that are remarkably diverse for for their field at at a at a ridiculous rate. And just the, the barometer of quality from the stuff that I've seen is just ridiculously high.
3: Um, that's a good uh, choice. I have that on here as well. Um, of the of the big five. I give it to the CW as having the largest hit to miss ratio. Uh, if I have to, if I'm only allowed to watch one network, I'm gonna still pick FX. I think because they have Justified, they have The Americans, they have You're the Worst, they have It's Always Sunny, they have Archer, they have you know despite shows like Tyrant. Uh, they- <laughs> they they're still I think the the go to place for right now uh, if you if you're only allowed if you can only watch one network sh- shows
2: but 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 wait a minute D- does the split into FXX affect that
3: well yes that means that I don't get to watch the league but I do get to watch Always Sunny because that's on FX right didn't they move it back
2: I don't remember but they are moving you're the worst to FXX
3: uh oh I'll have to reconsider but for yeah. right now let's move on to uh, our it should have worked award. Uh, I I've got two for this. What What do you have?
2: There are so many uh, really obvious ones that I'm gonna pick a slightly less obvious one. Uh, Chosen that should have worked. Uh, you watched more of it than I did, but um, there really should be a comedy series about rap. There really, really should be. It's such a it's such fertile ground for. Actually, there should just be a series about rap. It doesn't need to be a comedy series. It's it's such a there's so much uh stuff going on in 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 the rap world uh that's right for parody or at least representation and there were a lot of good ideas floating around this show and i don't know the, m- several aspects of the execution just kind of ruined it for me
3: yeah i did enjoy chosen i watched I, most of it if not all of it and uh i mean we would have heard we will have heard some of the music from chosen between the very segments here on the podcast but uh but yeah, that's a good that's a good pick. It didn't quite come together in the the best way. Maybe I I have marry me, but again, I've only seen a couple episodes, so I've heard it's gotten better. The other one I have is uh, Kendall Crowe as a young Raylan on Justified. That mm. they should have if they had just focused in on that and, and built their season around exploring Raylan having to interact with him, himself, then uh, I think that should have paid tremendous dividends. But Instead, they just kind of toy with the idea and never really go all in. It That should have given them a full, like, a full really great season, but they weren't willing to commit. So, I don't know, that's a bit of a twist there, but what do you think?
2: Uh, I think that works. Uh, I would also say, uh, as much as I loved the idea of Archer Vice and the show going full bore in serialization and blowing itself up for an entire year, like, perpetually... Uh, I it was a move that I admired more than I actually found me- all that memorable.
3: Yeah, I did have trouble remembering like details of episodes or plot lines as outside of you know the basic framework of the season. Um, and you know, you know, I'll tell you one thing that did work though: coked up Pam definitely worked. Uh, for for it shouldn't have worked, and yet it did. I've got two Finn Polmar, We've talked about this. And Kitty on Elementary as well. Adding a new third lead in your third season of your show shouldn't work, but they've done a good job with that. Do you have any picks for this one?
2: Uh, I mean, we've sort of hinted at it already, but uh, Mad Men split season.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Terrible idea on paper. No one was happy, and I think it actually may have saved the last season. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, our last two in this category are Most Improved and The Biggest Drop in Quality. Let's, let's start negative, and we can go positive. Uh we've already talked about justified um the newsroom in the middle of the season <laughs> had its dropping quality, and uh so you think you can dance for me was a really quite a disappointment as much as I enjoyed the season as a whole uh the the what felt like very arbitrary judging what felt like very manipulative judging to manufacture a top ten or a top five that they wanted. Uh, really took away from what should have been an enjoyable season of dance for me. Uh, do you have any any uh, picks for this one?
2: Uh, on the good side, not particularly. Uh, I mean, we've already talked about shows that sort of zigzagged up and down. I will say, uh, remember when we loved and really looked forward to Parenthood?
3: Yeah, there have been some good ones. But it's been less consistent, or or it's been very consistent, but it hasn't wowed us in a long time. In
2: a very long time. And and occasionally it's downright annoying. And I, I feel like if it weren't, I feel like they're, like, it was so good two seasons ago that it's it's hard to reconcile the fact that it's now, like, homework viewing.
3: Yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit of homework viewing, um... They've been yeah, it's getting everything to line up and getting it to feel organic has been somewhat problematic for them this season. But uh yeah, it 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 it's this is one that should have ended. A while, a while ago, I think. Um, for Most Improved, I have Walking Dead, which we've already talked about, Mad Men, which we've already talked about, and the other one is The Amazing Race, which has had one of its best seasons in years this fall, so uh, well done. After going from last season's terrible all-stars, like you call those all-stars uh, season, two, to this one, it's a big jump in quality and I'm very glad to be watching The Amazing Race.
1: You didn't do it, didn't reach your goal. Your heart is broken, you're an asshole In the end, you didn't have what it takes So here's to you and your huge mistakes You're humiliated, hollowed out, and exhausted You were in the ring, fighting the fight, and you lost it This isn't your time, this wasn't for you At least you did everything you could do You're a loser, but a dreamer You're tired, but you're strong You're going on, no evidence You don't listen to common sense You went all in And you were wrong you are such a loser good for you it's something that a lot of people can't do trying is hard that's why people don't do it losing is hard they can't make it through it but not you you are such a loser you are such a loser here's to you because you deserve a cheering section too i'm back off me things are getting pretty tense does
0: anybody want coffee uh,
1: you know we're not so different you and i
0: maybe there's a tower somewhere up above so if there are bonds and love where do we so die Till
4: we can live in that imaginary world We'll work hard or die trying, girl
0: Yes, Open up your butt cheeks, this is our butt seat! Let's go fart! It's that gas from your ass, it's that tune from your boobs The hum from your your bum
2: Which is also what happens to be what I call my farts.
3: That takes us two moments. So, Simon, what was your what was the best extraneous sex scene? What show had the best extraneous sex?
2: The best extraneous? I, I mean, I just I took this to mean just best sex in general. Okay. Uh, since we don't really have a category for that, um, I mean, I feel like sex this year kind of belongs to Outlander, mm-hmm. and or Masters of Sex, but that's sort of obvious. But 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 I mean, the whole wedding episode was just. was a a delightful exercise in uh, fan service that also happened to serve the characters, for the most part, uh, (laughs) but also, you know, just dipped into full-on fan service when it felt like it, because why not?
3: Yeah. I have Outlander, of course. I also have Review for the Orgy episode, and uh, You're the Worst for the Threesome.
2: Oh, duh.
3: (laughs) For Worst extraneous Sex, I have Black Box. I'm sure there are other choices, and and I'm not even going to the Game of Thrones place, because fuck that shit. Um, So, uh, but but Black Box, I really, there could have been fun things there, but then they just had to go and take a few decisions with the character that were really annoying, including randomly having sex with her coworkers so that there could be tension everywhere. Uh, Yeah. So I, I, you know, that's my only mention of Black Box here. How about Best Extraneous Nudity? Did you have any other choices for this one besides Outlander?
2: Um, I, I didn't have any best extraneous nudity, but worst, uh, and maybe you can, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but I seem to recall this being the most noteworthy aspect of Black Sails.
3: You know what? I, I don't, don't think I actually watched Black Sails. I watched the pilot and there was definitely, yeah, a lot of that in there. Uh, and I was not compelled to watch any more of it, so I couldn't really tell you besides, you know, yes, you're absolutely right for the, uh, for the pilot
2: yeah, I also just remember. Just, I I remember def, definitely some gratuitous sexual assault.
3: Yeah, definitely some of that. Uh, I have for best experience nudity. I always love what girls does. What Lena Dunham does uh, with just change, challenging and changing uh, gender norms and expectations and uh, body image just by existing and being comfortable with herself on screen mm-hmm. uh, so that's that's huge for me worst extreme is nudity true detective everything with woody uh, harrelson's girlfriend just just no just bad bad true detective <laughs> bad
2: yeah that was one to keep away from the comment sections on
3: yep yep okay let's go to shipping moments uh okay what was the, what, were, what were your best shipping moments or couples that made you ship?
2: Um, I would say best random one-off shipping moment because it felt like uh, suddenly it felt like a, like a like a slasher broke into the writer's room and nobody noticed and they filmed it anyway. Uh, I'm going to go with Dorian Gray and the Wolfman on Penny Dreadful, mm-hmm. which had no meaningful connection to the rest of the season, but was uh, almost more awesome for it.
3: Yeah, that's a great pick. Um I've got Alicia and Finn. Uh easy pick, but you know, it's it's been really fun to watch all all season here, season 6. And uh basically everybody on looking uh at one time or another. Uh so like they, they got me to care way too much about Patrick's love life uh and if he was going to cheat on his awesome boyfriend um with his uh ridiculously charismatic boss or not. I didn't like Patrick, but I was invested in the shipping, so I doff my cap to them. Uh, worst shipping moments: Felix and Tony, Orphan Black. Just, just oh, no.
0: Oh, oh,
2: oh, oh, I'd forgotten about Felix and Tony. Chalk that up to another uh, potentially good idea, or should have worked. Uh, yeah, but not poor, with that mullet. Poor execution. Uh, I will be. I will be very surprised if Tony makes an appearance next season. Um,
3: not, not without a, them figuring out a better way to to deal with the hair.
2: Yeah, no. Um, I went with uh, Homeland. Anytime anyone tries to ship Claire Danes with anyone, at this point, I just I want to. I just want to jump into the show and be like, no, don't do it. <laughs> no, and and the fact that people root for stuff to happen on that show is just no, 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 no. <laughs>
3: Uh, for uh, most chemistry here, I went non-romantic with this, um, and I have Ms. Lani and Ms. Lani because the scenes we got on Orphan Black with Sarah and Helena were utterly captivating and really beautiful, and the, the performance from Ms. Lani with herself, uh, when Helena, both in the shower, uh, the, the, the moment that I got my Halloween costume from, and then also later with the, with the assault rifle, Absolutely stunning performance. Really lovely chemistry. They're driving in the car. That was a really fun uh, pairing, I guess, for me this season. And the other one I have is Arya and the Hound on uh, Game of Thrones. Yet another fabulous pairing with Arya.
2: Nice. Uh, I went romantic with this. And I guess the obvious Tobias Menzies thing should be Outlander. Uh, Although, not really. But anyway. uh, But I actually went with uh, Menzies and Gillenhall in The Honorable Woman. Because they don't have long together, but they have such a spark. They're, they're really so, great. They're really great together, so, you know, you feel it when they get forcibly separated.
3: Well, and that, you know, when you say that, that does bring to mind, I, I gotta add for shipping moments, Claire ru- running and calling her husband's name in the mid-season finale of Outlander was shockingly effective. It shouldn't have worked. That's another, it should not have worked. Yeah, so corny but, as
2: fuck, but yeah.
3: Oh, but it totally did. Okay, Least Chemistry, Kalinda and everyone. Uh, Jim and Maggie and Abby and Holly. I went, I went, I went straight forward here, but I don't care.
2: I went with, uh, admittedly, only based on one episode, but shocking lack of chemistry between Casey Wilson and Ken Marino on *Marry Me*, who just mm-hmm. seem to be doing their own shticks in their own corners, just happened to be at the same table doing it. Uh, that didn't work. Maybe they developed that later, but yes. All those choices were good. I I d I don't think I don't think uh John Gallagher Jr. and Alison Pill actually like chemistry. I think it's just that we hate both of them so much.
3: <laughs> it's very possible. It's very possible. Um next we have our trippiest or most what the fuck moments. Uh let's we can do a little back and forth here. I I I, I have several. I assume you have several as well.
2: I have one that towers over the rest and it doesn't it doesn't pertain to any show we've mentioned so far. Go for it. Uh, Don Hertzfeld's couch gag on The Simpsons. Did you see <laughs> oh, nice.
3: that? I did. It was good.
2: That was almost miraculously awesome.
3: Now the first one I have we've already mentioned, but the five way on Hannibal, uh, was just like so messed up and it was also beautiful and lyrical and all of these other things, but like by the time Alana uh yes is having relations uh with the Wendigo. Yeah, that's a, I think that counts. Um I'll say the the leftover's fantasy sequence where uh we go inside Justin Thoreau's character's mind uh a, a bit and you know watch him start to lose it t- talk to his dad and all of that. And then the Boardwalk Empire finale sequence where he goes into the booth and sees the TV. That was a really affecting, really just kind of odd not quite right moment. Uh, the last thing I have here is it's not really a what the fuck moment, more of a shout out to last season, but I really liked the revisiting of the Wolfs Glen scene on Rectify season 2.
0: Mm-hmm. The way
3: that we revisited that, I thought that was really nice. Do you have any worst WTF moments?
2: Uh nothing really stands out. I feel like we can't have a what WTF category without once again shouting out Too Many Cooks. Yeah, that's which true. kind of def- which kind of defined what the fuck this season.
3: Absolutely. How about uh best twist or realization other than, you know, the very uh the very end of a season?
2: Um so I'm gonna say one, but I'm actually not gonna spoil it because uh you haven't watched it yet and a bunch of other okay. hardly anyone will have watched it yet, but something happens about four or five episodes into Attack on Titan that was just like ah! I couldn't I could not believe they did that Unfortunately they walk they do Eventually walk back from it Uh, But still just for The moment of shock I was like Damn that happened Um, But yeah So that uh, out of things I can Actually mention uh, I already I already mentioned the death of Proteus On Penny Dreadful I think that was probably the apex Of that season just (laughs) because Just because it was so Beautifully unexpected
3: that's a great pick. Um, I have Archer Vice, just the end of the premiere. Where you're like, are they? They're yeah, okay. And they're now they're drug dealers, uh, which was fun. And that just and that montage. Actually, this maybe should have been my pick for montage earlier. The the clip reel we get, the montage we get at the end of the pilot or the premiere. If that hadn't been actual material from every episode that was yet to come, that would have been. Truly great, wonderful uh, end of an episode. And fortunately, it just told you everything that we're going to watch for the next several weeks. So that was disappointing. But still, I I think that was a a really fun twist. Uh, The result of the battle with the the Viper and the Mountain. When that takes its turn. And again, keeping that spoiler free for people. That was a really... Of course, having read the book, I knew what was coming. But it was really great to watch the reaction online.
2: Uh yeah. Uh for worst, I only have one, but it's, you know, I just wrote down take your pick on uh the final season of The Killing, so chock full of dumb twists that you thankfully never saw.
3: And I yeah, I'm not sorry that I didn't. Uh for for this one, I didn't go twist. I went worst realization and uh I just they're they're really doing this for the newsroom. They're just they are this I'm about to watch this happen. Yep. for their penultimate episode. We've talked enough about that, though, I think. How about most traumatizing moment? Oh, man, there's so many choices. Uh,
2: There, there are so many choices. I went with uh, the one that stood out the most in my mind. Look, Ma, no teeth on the neck.
3: Oh, God. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you forgot about that one, didn't you?
3: Oh, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> really... Oh, man, John Hodgman. Talk about notable casting, like creative casting. John Hodgman. Definitely. Oh, perfect casting there.
2: Yeah, that prepares you for uh, the opposite of what you get.
3: Exactly. Oh, totally. Um, yeah, creative casting. That We also had, uh, was it Tom Papas show up as the snake oil salesman, too? That was pretty great. Yeah. Um, most traumatizing moment. I have Will, of course. Everybody who knows what I'm talking about will know what I'm talking about there. The Americans, end of the season. Will uh, offering himself up to Hannibal, uh, the slides... On Hannibal as well, uh, though that one you kind of knew it was coming, so that was less traumatizing for me. Um, uh, the, yeah, the I also have the Schadenfreude award. Uh, Zoe, House of Cards, and yes. V. Orange is the New Black. They're not; those were really satisfying moments of Schadenfreude for me.
2: At least one of those was satisfying for me. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I can't. I can't argue with that one. R.I.P. Zoe, but not really, because you were the worst. <laughs> not really
3: how about striking images mine are boring because I just want Hannibal because again those are the ones that stick in my mind so Hannibal on the cross bleeding out and then the tree and in the middle of the the ridiculous tree in the middle of the parking lot
2: Um, I'm going to go with one from a show I didn't actually like and that was Finn Wittrock donning the clown jaw Mm, on American Horror Story that was a great visual Uh, (laughs) nothing else from the show really worked but that was a great visual
3: how about ridiculous moments drama?
2: Um, I will say the, the the pivot turn moment for True Detective for me was the reveal of the storage space evidence room on mm-hmm. True Detective. Because if if during your serialized murder show all I can think about is damn, you just lost your deposit, uh, you're not <laughs> doing it right. <laughs>
3: Any other picks for that, or or how about um, ridiculous moment comedy?
2: Uh, you already alluded to this, but Coke Monster Pam on Archer Vice was definitely uh, a consistently ridiculous and joyous image in my TV life.
3: Uh, I just, I just have here a condom drops out of Abby, uh, Broad City <laughs> was
2: that's a good one
3: was pretty great, and just again Michael Pitt's delivery of have a chocolate, uh, just. Absolutely ridiculous. Here's this monster of a character who's just said a bunch of horrible things and then the delivery (laughs) was so ridiculous and so comedic there. Uh, So yeah, that's that's my other pick. Best fan interactivity or or online social experience? For me, it's Hannibal just because the fanables are all crazy and uh, and I love them all. Uh, What comes to mind for you?
2: Um, I will say that watching live and then experiencing the sheer uh, disbelief that this could have happened, uh, the Hemium finale. Just the the sheer uh, virulent hatred from people who'd been watching the show for almost a decade or however fucking long it ran, and that was how they went with it? The only bomb was going online and just seeing the vitriol that was coming forth. It was it was truly remarkable.
3: Yeah, that's a great that's a great pick. Um yeah, there were a couple moments this year and again, I don't want to go into them too much in case people are still behind on shows where it's just like, you know, you just needed to go online and somebody to tell you it was okay and post a bunch of gifts of cats and and you know, adorable little baby uh uh porcupines and stuff. Uh there are a few moments like that, but um yeah, on the whole, I think that those are that's a great pick as well. Uh, and then our last one of this of this section, the La 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 Award for show we least want to have spoiled. Um, I last year I would not have imagined this could be an option here, but The Good Wife and Jane the Virgin.
2: Uh, yeah, those are those are really great examples. I mean, Jane the Virgin at this point, I just don't want any gag spoiled. Like whenever I get uh, people, when, I, I've noticed people like posting screenshots of uh, of some of the intertitles and things like that. I was like, no. I, I I don't want to see those things. Mm-hmm. At this point, there's just it, there's whole hours of every week that I just know I can't go on the internet, which kind of sucks. But that's how it is. <laughs> white peers, white people problems.
3: <laughs> yeah, definite first world problems. Um, and with that, we'll take a break and come back with one more what? miscellaneous category. Yes, there are still more, uh, but not that many more. Uh, so we'll be right back after this.
4: Led through the mist By the milk light of moon All that was lost Is revealed Our long bygone burdens Mere echoes of the spring But where have we come And where shall we end If dreams can't come true Then why not pretend how the gentle wind beckons through the leaves as autumn colors? a mirror And the moon rides the waves to the shore A single soul sets his voice singing Content to be slightly forlorn A song rises over the lilies Sweeps high to clear over the reeds And over the bulrushes sway to pluck at a pair of heartstrings. Two voices, now they are singing. Then ten, as a melody soars. Round the shimmering pond, all are joining in song as it carries their river
1: They're warm and soft like puppies and socks Filled with cream and candy rocks Oh, potatoes and molasses They're so much sweeter than algebra class If your stomach is grumbling and your mouth starts mumbling There's only one thing to keep your brain from crumbling Oh, potatoes and molasses If you can't see them, put on your glasses They're shiny You know you eat enough when you start seeing stars. Oh,
5: potatoes
0: and molasses.
5: Boys are a bore. Let's show them the door. We're taking over.
1: About a girl who had almost everything. Oh, it's Mabel!
3: our last segment here uh this is just the miscellaneous categories uh yeah sort of a more reflective looking back on the year you know looking ahead to next year a little bit here uh in our end of year blowout um yeah let's dive right in we have most overrated series simon what's your pick
2: uh i'm sort of cheating because it didn't really air anything this year besides the christmas special but because it went on stream on streaming and everyone was freshly freaking out about it, I'm going to go with Black Mirror. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the six episodes that originally aired, I went back over them, you know, three are good. Three of them are, are definitely good. Uh, I would even argue that National Anthem is kind of great. Uh, the other three are pretty flawed, and even the ones that are good, I think, have some significant flaws. I think people are just so desperate for a Twilight Sony series, they're willing to overlook... Uh, the more tiresome aspects of Charlie Brooker's approach.
3: Well, I absolutely agree with that. I think that's a great pick. Uh, Watching, cause, and again, you don't want to be the Debbie Downer when people have discovered a new show that they're really passionate about. Um, So I haven't been, like, responding to, guys, it's so great uh, with, you know, especially people who love the, one of the episodes I had the least connection with, which is the one with the grain. Um, Everybody seems to love that one, and for me, it's just insufferable. And something I feel like we've seen most of which I feel like we've seen before. Um, so it's it's been yeah very out there. Um, I look forward to watching the Christmas episode. I haven't had a chance to see it yet, but I think that is a a solid solid pick. Uh, again, for me, good but not a great show.
2: Uh, do you have an overrated pick?
3: Oh, of course I have an overrated pick. I have several. <laughs> uh, True Detective. I don't understand why everybody's losing their mind over True Detective. I don't understand why everyone's moving, losing their mind over Matthew McConaughey's performance. It's very, very good. Do not get me wrong. It's an excellent performance. But there have been a lot of excellent performances this year. And this notion that it's far and away. like The moment that the critics got screeners for True Detective, everybody just decided that it was an amazing show and that Matthew McConaughey was the second coming. Now Matthew McConaughey is fabulous and he's really good in the series and it's a very distinct show but the notion that at the end of the year everybody's just reverting back to that 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 assessment they had you know, before uh, reactify Season 2 happened, before we got another great season of Mad Men, before Mass Mickelson and Hugh Dancy killed it on Hannibal, like this notion that, that uh, of the McConnaissance, and like it's such a unique character and everything, it's like there's some really interesting writing um but especially at a certain point it it was very content to be the same show that we've seen many many times with just a few superficial uh tweaks and again gorgeous cinematography excellent direction all of that but i i've seen two dudes in a car before um so so again like like how i feel about black mirror good not great not all time great me, with True Detective, uh, Sherlock, I kind of hate it now. Uh, so, so that. <laughs> You know, there's that. Uh, People really like it, and that's great. And I wish I could like it. I can't anymore. Um, The other one I have is House of Cards, because I do actually think season two is better than season one for House of Cards. And there's some really great stuff that Robin Wright got to play, actually. But on the whole, I mean, it's just so smug. It's just such a smug show. And a lot of people, it's not in their top tier. But again, it just it keeps getting nominated for stuff and shortlisted for stuff. And every time I see it show up on anybody's list, I want to be like, "Did did you see the other shows this year? (laughs) <laughs> like how much tv did you did. watch yeah so those are my my overrated how about underrated i mean the adventure time
2: award basically uh well i'm gonna mention adventure time elsewhere but you know a show that i think um i didn't appreciate enough at the time and i think i'll need to go back and revisit uh considering all the great innovative comedies we, we've we had praise for is uh i'm gonna give this one to Eagleheart, which is a show that uh I, myself, uh, I'm not even sure that I finished uh, Eagleheart Paradise Rising. But when I think back to some specific imagery we got from that, I have I to say, of the of the edgy comedies that took a sudden dive into serialization for no apparent reason this season, I think that was probably the bolder and more successful of the two, between it and Archer. Uh, and I-, I love that set of characters and, and that cast. And just, I mean, how much of that did you watch? Because by the time we got to... Uh, the uh the disgruntled uh the the uh what's the word i'm looking for the uh the disgruntled police chief has now literally turned into a desk and (laughs) is now just a desk for the rest of the season uh i mean that was pretty committed
3: yeah i saw i saw quite a bit of paradise rising but i did not see anything that aired this year i didn't see the last chunk of it uh so I look forward to to catching up with it. I did enjoy my time with with Eagle Heart. uh, such a great pick, and I, yeah, let me know how it is when you revisit it, cause I, I would like to go back and finish up my time with with Eagle Heart, definitely. Um, I have here for underrated Adventure Time, like I said, also in the flesh, which is again a very solid show, um, that does what it does very very well. I was really looking for a place to, um, to to. Give the show some love for just even the moment of Amy feeling the rain was so powerful for me. Such a wonderful moment. And this was a season that had, again, several very memorable performances and moments for me. Certainly, I really liked the villain, uh, the season-long villain they had this year on In the Flesh. I couldn't find another place for it, though, Uh, and on all these different categories. So it's going here. Underrated series, In the Flesh. All right. Next up, we have Seriously Guys. Why aren't you watching? Fill in the Blank. So uh, Well, that's play.
2: that's that's where I stuck Adventure Time. Uh, if, if only because, I mean, I know why people aren't watching it, which is that they don't take ostensible kids series seriously, they don't take animated series seriously, or they don't take short form series seriously. And those are all mistakes uh, that we've been over before, so I don't want to drill it into too many people's heads. But seriously, if nothing else, at least find like a, a top 30 episodes primer, and you could probably watch most of them in a day.
3: Yeah, I have it as well. Because I I never get tired of telling people they should watch Adventure Time. Uh, Rectify is another one that, again, when I look at the ratings for the show, this is depressing to me. But it is such a beautiful series with such a tiny audience. And the last one I have is Playing House, which I feel like has fallen through the cracks in this year of great first season comedies. In a way that's rather disappointing I really like what the show is doing I'm very glad it recently got picked up for a season 2 I hope more people will take this as a As a motivating factor To seek it out and spend some time uh, In this world Really fun ensemble cast This is the most I've liked Lindsay Sloan in anything It's great to see Keegan-Michael Key Playing a uh, just a normal Normal guy in a sitcom uh, And then of course the <laughs> two leads are fabulous So um, yeah,
2: I, I think the reason people aren't watching that is It's on USA
3: yeah, uh, but no, it is it is a quality show, and people, you know, they should spend some time with Bird Bones and <laughs> the Gnomes and everybody over at Playing House. Another fun guest appearance by Andy Daly, by the way, in Playing House as well. Um, yep. Next up, we have the, the Anne Veal Award, uh, her, uh, for the show that everybody else seems to love, uh, critics or, or friends, and you just can't get into. I have a very easy pick, and that's True Detective. Did you have anything for this?
2: Uh, I did. It's for a show that uh, some very, very smart critics I respect very much are, are really in love with this show. Uh, and I just found it to be absolutely unwatchable, and that's the comeback. Uh, uh, sorry, guys. I just can't do it. I, I can't do it.
3: That's a great pick. And I'll also throw probably uh, Penny Dreadful in there as well, where, again, some critics that we love, some friends of the show are just over the moon about this season, uh, the first season of the show, and while there's stuff that we both really liked about it, I just, the notion that it's the best of the year, amongst the best of the year, that it doesn't have really, really significant flaws that are a problem is, is, I just don't, yeah, I don't get it. But, you know, hopefully we'll all be on the same page for season two. Hopefully everybody will like season two. Um, the homework award is next. Show we admire, but we don't actually
1: like watching,
3: uh, and for that, I have the affair, and uh, for much of the season, Boardwalk Empire, and I should say much of its run. It was a lot better for me this season because I didn't have to review it. Um, but those are the two that came to mind. How about you?
2: Yeah, Boardwalk Empire was the obvious one to me. Well, that I mean, I, I enjoyed the affair all the way through, uh, despite its blossoming, tremendous, tr- profound flaws. Uh, but Boardwalk Empire, and, and like it felt like like homework for seasons now, and I'm not sure it wasn't always required viewing for me. Uh, even, like, for the podcast, but it just, it it stopped being fun to watch quite a while ago, and I'm not really sure why I never stopped. And I kept asking myself why I'm not stopping, and I never had a good answer.
3: <laughs> and yet you didn't, yeah. Yep, and that's sort of, I'm a little nervous that that's how I'm going to feel about, you know, this next batch of dramas that we're getting, uh, all the rock dramas that are coming up, so fingers crossed they'll <laughs> be a little bit more passion-inducing, but... uh Yeah. Oh,
2: dude, that that trend of like roadies and sex, drugs and rock and roll and uh, this Terrence Winter Martin Scorsese thing that uh, already has most of its cast, I'm assuming is happening next year. Those look dire to me. Very, very dire.
3: Yeah, I'm not very enthused there. Um, Now we have our It's Not Me, It's You awards. Uh, Things that we're just we're just done. We're just over. We're ready to move on. Uh, so first we have the trope you're most ready to just never see again.
2: Um, I have two listed here, and uh, I don't know if they both count as tropes, but uh, unprotected sex. Can we stop uh, on doing TV? That? Yeah. Yes. As a plot device. But well, yeah, no, no, especially. not in life. I mean, <laughs> I mean on TV. <laughs> um, just come on. Like, what was? The, wasn't there a, a show this this uh, that we that we saw this year where somebody was literally l- literally put on a condom? And we were like, yes, somebody yes! put on a condom. What was that?
3: I don't remember. I remember it happening, but I don't remember what the show was.
2: Damn. Uh, anyway, it clearly wasn't Broad City. Uh, so, um, but yeah, I mean, please, just do it. We'll we'll, we'll never have baby drama again. Just, you know, it's seriously.
3: It's not going to take us out of the moment. We're not going to be like, oh, now it doesn't seem real. I mean, come on. If anything, it will seem more real. Yeah, I think that's a great choice. Uh, I, my first one is unconsidered sexism. Shows just not caring about a certain percentage of their cast, whether it be all the women on True Detective, or uh, just the—I—I'm just i over shows that only care about their lead character, uh, and that's you know been a, a a trope or a trend, maybe is the better term, for a while. But True Detective and their absolute wasting of Michelle Monaghan really crystallized it for me this year.
2: Yeah, uh, sort of coming off of that, I would add, um. But uh, can she have it all? <laughs> uh, the- cop, mom, mom,
1: cop. Cop, mom,
2: mom, mom, cop. Uh, all the bad uh, bad teacher, bad judge, whatever. Uh, women who can't seem to get the work-life balance right. Just, mm-hmm. oh my god. Like this, I understand we need more female protagonists, and this is not, not emphatically not the way to do it.
3: Uh, that's a great, great choice. Uh, my My other one here is gritty crime series. I just, I'm I'm done. I don't need, I don't like, like people notice that happy Valley didn't really come up very much on my list. And it's not because it's not very good because it is. And Sarah Lancaster is really great in that central performance, but there's nothing there that I haven't seen before. So it's like, you're really great in a familiar role. And the supporting cast is really great in something I've seen five times before. Uh, so I'm just, I'm over gritty crime series. I I, I would love to be wrong. I would love to have somebody point me to one that reinvigorates my uh, my enthusiasm for the genre, but i I do not know what twist or what other approach a show can take to get me to to be interested in a gritty crime series. I haven't watched season 2 of the fall yet cuz I'm just dragging my feet to start season 2 of a show that I liked because it's yeah. yet another gritty crime series.
2: Yeah, it's it's just pure oversaturation. It's nothing against the show. Uh I watched the, the the premiere of Happy Valley and had the exact same thought. This is a fair this is this is a very good show I don't want to watch, yeah, uh, and it's not the show's fault. It's just come on, we we need a little bit more diversity.
3: Okay, how about uh the It's not me, It's you award for show that you're just you're just done with?
2: <sighs> I kind of think I'm done making an effort with Arrow. Oh yeah,, uh, yeah, no, just every time I try, like so many again, it's another one of those cases of so many people I respect enjoy that show so much, but I just don't think it's in my DNA, man. It's just not happening.
3: It took me three seasons and a lot of chances, a lot of not believing myself and trusting everybody else and watching and going, no, it's just not good, uh, before I finally got on board. Uh, that the,
2: sounds like Stockholm Syndrome. At the start
3: of the season. It could be. It could be. And of course, this season hasn't been as strong. Um, the change of the flashback structure to be just anywhere but the island really helped. Um, and the crossovers with the Flash have also really helped because it highlights the ways that the show the ways that the shows complement each other uh which is really uh very interesting but uh yeah I, I that's fair enough you've, you've given it the old college try you're you're good I, to, I really have to let it go um the one I have here uh because usually I've gotten much better about just stopping shows that aren't good um the one I have here that I do keep watching is sorry friend of the show Todd uh vandorff person of interest uh Todds the one who got me to watch it and I watched the first three seasons, uh, most of the first three seasons in about a week or two, two weeks maybe. Um, and this season, I just, I'm not interested in the show that this show is interested in being. I watch it every week, uh, and I have nothing to say, nothing to take away from it. I'm not interested in, like, really any of the characters, any of the performances, even somebody that I really like, like Amy Acker. I, I'm not, there's nothing, that compels me to, to to be invested in any significant way i have no sense that there's any danger for any of the characters no matter how much they keep trying to uh lay in you know emphasize the threat at every turn i don't trust uh, I, i'm not interested in what the show thinks it wants to be and so uh i i'm just gonna say you know if i'm i may still keep watching it but i have let go of any hopes for person of interest
2: yeah, that that's a good pick. Whenever I catch it, I'm always just like, I don't I don't get the point. Uh, admittedly, I never saw the show's best period or whatever. I should add another one to this list that just occurred to me today, because I, I think it, I'm just going to have to stop trying. And it's totally personal slash political. But, you know, after reading today about the CIA's drone program and the fact that they've killed 1,147 people in their efforts to target 41 people with drone strikes... Uh, and not all the people they've even gotten, I kind of don't know if I can ever keep watching Homeland. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't really know if I can watch a show about uh, a CIA heroine and, and take it seriously, uh, even when it's being somewhat critical, which usually it's not being uh, critical enough for me. So, you know, personal thing, but I figured I'd throw that out there.
0: Well,
3: and I think it'd be a harder choice for you if it was a better show more consistently, but for, at least for us... yeah you know hasn't been for a while. Um okay, next we have it's not me it's you uh award forged other I, and I've got two here. Um uh, my first I'm sure you will co-sign on that's voiceover narration little asterisk other than Jane the Virgin.
2: Right. Uh that's that's a certainly good one and I I feel bad that you uh that you had to endure that so much. I have one that's kind of an umbrella and it's more of a guideline for next year for for things to get excited for, or not get excited for, just keep in mind. Um, and admittedly, it goes back through all of TV history, but I think it really impacted us this year, specifically big names, mm-hmm. big names are attached to this show. And that means it'll be worth watching. And that goes for big names in front of the camera, but especially also behind the camera. How many of us got excited for the strain because of Guillermo del Toro, who got excited for believe because of Alfonso Cuaron, um, who got excited for that uh vaguely JJ J. Abrams associated one. You know what which, which one I mean? Um the other the one that's not believed. Resurrection. One.
3: No, that's the that's the remake of the I I'm, I yeah, I I hear you. Yeah, no,
0: not Resurrection. How about Joe
3: Carnahan State of Affairs? How about, you know, there's there's plenty of examples.
2: Uh, yeah, other ones that aren't really coming to me, or, hey, here's Clive Owen, or et cetera, et cetera, which, you know, there were there were some really great things about the Nick, but his name hasn't come up once until just now. Yeah. Uh, so many uh, theoretically exciting shows, the only really exciting thing about them was that one person's involvement. And, yeah, you need more to go on than that.
3: Yeah, Great Cast is not a, an interesting show make, and that's something that I... Having watched all the pilots for the last, you know, number of years that the televerse has existed, I quickly learned that lesson. Ooh, but this cast is really good. Does not mean it will be a good pilot. Uh, so, yeah, I think that you're right. That also extends to creatives. The other thing I have here is uh, I just never, ever, 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 ever need to see Raffy and or Dirty Randy again on The League. The League, <laughs> when I was watching it, had a really fun season. And then Raffy and Dirty Randy showed up and are just terrible. Just not funny. Just all of Seth Rogen and Jason Mansukis's worst instincts. Just nobody telling them no for 20 minutes of my time. And every time they show up, I try to give it the benefit of the doubt because I like both of them individually. I've liked them in many other things. But I just, those characters are never funny. So I'm just completely over. I don't feel the need to watch any more episodes that feature Raffy or Dirty Randy of The League.
2: All right. Duly noted.
3: Next up, we have the Anchor Award, which is a single element that is weighing down an otherwise strong series. Uh, I'll go with my easy one here. Stephen Moffat, get your ass off Doctor Who. <laughs> uh,
2: that's I, I, I can't argue with that. Uh, I have a slightly what might be a controversial one, and uh, I, I know that many, many people will not agree, but Over the course of the season, uh, I really began to resent the presence of Lorne Malvo on Fargo. Mm -hmm. Uh, That character just worked for me less and less. uh, And by association, that performance just worked for me less and less. Another example of big name uh, that didn't really pan out in the early episodes when he's more of like a puckish presence and actually kind of funny. I think uh, he worked really well when it became clear that he was the personification of evil uh, that didn't work as well and especially when we already had a much better personification of evil uh, elsewhere on television. So, yeah, it, was that just me?
3: Well, I, he worked for me a lot more than it sounds like he did for you and I was certainly fine with him throughout the season. Um I do think he was more interesting when they, he had that glint of humor in his eye. I don't think he was ever more entertaining or successful than when he was pretending to be a preacher. Uh in, in the with with Gus in the interrogation room. But right. uh yeah, so I mean, I wouldn't say that because I I did enjoy the performance throughout the season, but I see I I see where you're coming from.
2: Uh, and I mean, the other obvious one is the guilty remnant on leftovers, which uh, such a great idea that this I mean aspects of that idea were were really compelling and they were they were such an integral part of of making that world uh, theoretically work, but the execution was just piss poor and. There was nothing you. There was nothing about them that made you buy the idea that people would want to join them and then stay in them, because it, it there was there was nothing in their nothing compelling about their worldview. They were just dicks.
3: Yeah, the, well, why they, would you
2: want to be such a dick? <laughs> there,
3: there was a real uh, yeah, they there was a failure of execution in in making that seem like a legitimate choice for someone to make, and certainly not a legitimate choice for the Liv Tyler character make. To make, and she's the only one we see go through that process in this season. However, for me, the choice from the leftovers is the sun. I don't care about magical pregnant baby. I don't care about magical hug. Uh, I don't even remember his name. Tom, Craig, something. Tom. Tom. Yeah, I don't care about anything having to do with the sun. If the sun had just like been in the flashback and then appeared at the, in the finale, I would have been fine with that. I did not need to see anything else that we spent time with for the sun. So I'm hoping that they'll give the, and, and that's not necessarily the actor. That's the material. It was not compelling. It was not interesting. And it did not, it just distracted us from the, the town where everybody else was and the interconnectedness of the various relationships. So uh, I'm hoping that they have better material planned for this coming season.
2: Yeah. I didn't have as much of a problem with that. Uh, if only because I actually did, I, I I did like the character of magical hug guy. Uh, I
3: like the idea of him, but, you know, and, and only seeing him, like, twice, especially, you know, pairing up with Buddy Garrity for the first time. I'm sorry, that's that's who he is to me. Uh, Worked really well, and I liked when he popped back up at the end. I thought that was a really effective use of that character, but I just, like, I don't even remember. What was her name? The girl, the love interest who likes the gummy worms?
2: Uh, I can't help you there.
3: Yeah, exactly. That's the problem.
2: <laughs> Again, Leftovers was on my top ten, even though, like... There are some very obvious things about it that don't work, Uh, but it it was because it was willing to take these particularly insane chances that it made it there in the first place, so I guess I can't complain when it goes a little bit off the reservation.
3: Uh, Fair enough. Uh, My last one I have is uh, The Honorable Woman and Secrets! 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 Yeah, there's so much I liked about The Honorable Woman, but the... Just like, no one can know anyone ever, and everyone has secrets. In it. it's, it's like, okay, that's fine, but then there better be some good secrets. Don't try to pretend that the stuff that everybody figured out in Episode 2 is like some deep, dark, how could you ever, you know, come on,
2: come on. Yeah, no. If 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 you're if anyone's ever going to pull the secrets thing again, there had better be secret aliens involved.
3: <laughs> you know, like, I'll give you Top of the Lake, and, and like that, you know, the relationship stuff there. I'll give you that. That's good secrets. But, but that's not the honorable woman <laughs> uh the counterpoint to the anchor award is the life vest award the single element that most buoys an otherwise poor series i've got three for this you've already said one of them and that's olivia munn on the newsroom yeah thank you olivia munn, for making that season watchable also the actor who plays don is deserves special mention as well just the two of them on their own show well done just go, just go over there and, and, you know, feed each and steal waffles, you know, enjoy breakfast foods. And I will love watching you and the rest of the show could just go away.
2: You know what they should do? They should literally just join the cast of Veep.
3: Oh my God. That would be awesome. Olivia right? Munn would be so good on Veep, right? Right. Yeah. Internet yeah. make it happen.
2: Boosh. It's even, you don't even have to change networks. There you go. Done.
3: Who was your Life fest award?
2: Uh well I mean I've probably said this before but I'm only gonna get one more chance to do it so Joel Kinnaman on the killing uh I I watched the entire last half season mostly for him I mean Moreno's is good but her character is so unrepentantly dour that she couldn't be the lifeboat life vest really uh Kinnaman still got to be fun and and you know really express throw a little bit more color in there uh I would not only export that. Actor, I would export that character. Uh, I think it's it's an absolute goddamn shame that we're losing that character now that the killing is presumably dead. I don't, I'm not going to believe it's dead until everyone involved has passed away because it just keeps <laughs> coming back. Uh, and yeah. Oh, no, by the way, another show with an absolutely awful ending, but I'm, I'm going to leave that for you to discover someday when you see some writing about it or something. Oh. <laughs> uh,
3: I also have um, two actors single-handedly making parts of their show Watchable, and, and ensuring that I watched the shows for way too long. And that's David Bradley uh, on The Strain. Uh, just awesome. And every time he showed up on screen, it was awesome. And then he would go off screen. And I'd be like, why am I not spending time with David Bradley when I could be? This is ridiculous. Um, also, Jada Pinkett Smith on Gotham. The redeeming. I know a lot of people love the performance, uh, the penguin, the, like what's what that actor is doing. I I really don't see it. I don't see what everybody loves. It's so twitchy. It's so over the top. And it, there's to me, it's just a series of mannerisms. With Jada Pinkett Smith, it seems like it's much more than just uh, a raspy voice and a curl of a finger. Um, she there's a real center to her performance as uh, as Fish Mooney, and I think it also helps that she gets to kind of do whatever she wants because it's not a comic book character, but um, yeah, Janie Pinkett Smith doing her best
0: on Gotham. Uh,
2: not exactly a life vest, but I just thought of something else that uh, someone else that I think is worthy of praise, especially as the show has gotten uh, more and more self-serious and sort of tied in knots with its own uh, sort, of, sort of it's getting a little bit head up assy as I wanted to mention Darren Goldstein on The Affair. He's the guy who plays Oscar. And uh, he's just such a great bastard, uh, but never quite 99%, never quite 100% horrible, always seemingly has that strange streak of decency that you're never sure if it's genuine decency or has an ulterior motive or not. Uh, He's great in both timelines and uh, really brings a a different energy to the show whenever he's on screen. Uh, So I just wanted to give him some props because I feel like that show is probably going rapidly downhill. (laughs)
3: <laughs> and we'll see uh, what happens with next season. Uh hopefully they'll change up the point of view uh, characters at least if not more. But uh our next category here, why haven't we seen it? So let's do a little sh- you know self-shaming here. Uh my the first two that came to mind for me were were My Mad Fat Diary which I've started to watch but I I'm still way behind on and The 100 which I hear made the leap in a big way this past week um with their mid-season finale. What came to mind for you?
2: Uh, the 100 was one of them. Uh, the other one, it, which is weird considering I ha- I saw some of season one and then I just sort of let it go by and I've been praising Comedy Central's lineup so much. I'm way behind on Crawl Show. Uh, mm-hmm. and, they, and also because they've got so much Canadian humor and, you know, that should appeal to me, especially as someone who abhors bad Canadian <laughs> humor. And this show actually has good Canadian humor uh, from what I remember. Uh, and I do think Nick Kroll is a very talented fellow. So, yeah, I, I, I'm way behind on Kroll Show. But, yes, The 100 is one that I also intend to do some, at least some this season catching up on.
3: Yeah. um, Our last category. Yeah, that's right. We did reach the end. Our last category are shows that we most want to see make the leap next year. Last year we had shows we think will make the leap. will like, break through and get a big audience and everything. And I was wrong to predict Adventure Time, apparently. Foolish, foolish, naive, optimistic Kate of 2013.
2: (laughs) The thing is, Adventure Time does have a big audience. It's just not the intelligentsia.
3: Yeah, it's just not the people blogging about it. It's not the critics writing think pieces, uh, who they they should be, and I should be, too. I know I should just get off my butt and write that article, but...
2: From what I can tell, it's mostly A, awesome parents and their future awesome kids, and B, stoners.
3: Yep, that sounds about right based on comic-con that's about right um but what are the shows that you are most hoping find a new gear uh just just really make the leap to fulfill the potential that you see in them
2: uh my number one pick for this would have to be looking a show that i uh definitely enjoyed its first season it had a lot to recommend it uh but i i did feel like it wasn't hitting its full potential right away which this is how it's supposed to be you're not supposed to get there right away which I, I'm sure I've talked about, you know, shows uh, showing up too soon and burning out and expanding all their good ideas at once. I didn't get a sense of looking doing that. And so, it, some of its best material uh, was just so casual and seemed to seem to come to it so naturally. And I'm hoping that's the quality that it leans on rather than drama. Uh, that would be great.
3: Yeah, it was my number one pick as well. Um, and I think it is fully capable of of making that leap next season. So we'll see when that comes back in January, right?
2: <laughs> Damn!
3: Yeah. The other ones I have here are Orphan Black. Let's give Mazlani the show she deserves around her, right? Yep. There's no reason it can't. Uh, we've got the introduction of the other clone that could go one of two ways. Um, I'm not very optimistic, but hopefully they found Mazlani 2.0 Uh, and we'll be able to tell a whole new set of stories. Uh, But there's no reason that Orphan Black shouldn't be a lot better than it is. And that's from somebody who does really like it and thinks they had a solid second season. Um, Silicon Valley. Let's start caring about the ladies. Let's get, you know, a a female coder in there, maybe. That would be crazy. But, you know, I hear they exist. Um, Just, (laughs) it it got better as it went on towards the end of the season. Uh, I like the increased role for Zach Woods. I thought that, they did a good job of recovering or trying to start to recover from the loss of Christopher Evan and Welch um and i the most the main thing is i just that the central Tom Middleton character is not interesting to me at all um and so it really the show relies upon its uh its male uh supporting characters and so i would really like to see them pushed to new levels and to new areas and also Again, like like I said, my it's not me, it's you. Award of of unconsidered sexism of shows only caring about one portion of their cast. Let's you know, let's get some women in there. Let's show let's show what female coders are like, other than you know the one who shows up to try to seduce the various men into giving her free code. Uh, Silicon Valley, you can do better, and I look forward to it finding a new gear in season two.
2: Yeah, you know what? Actually, you know what? I would really like to find a new gear because I would love. A silly, uh, no holds barred genre, pulpy uh, action series that's actually you know not frequently insulting. I would love it if Banshee had an amazing third season. That would be awesome. Uh, and I know that some people are already totally on board with it, uh, but I'm not, and I would like to be because uh, there aren't. That's the sort of the one thing that everyone's list is is kind of missing is is a a ridiculous uh, sort of. You know, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, uh, just fuck off, awesome genre show. Like, that. that's what I feel is missing. There's no Spartacus, is what I'm trying to say.
3: <laughs> yeah, and not even Spartacus. There wasn't
2: a strike back this year. No, although there will be this year, we think.
3: Yes, fingers crossed. Uh, it should be should be gone. But yeah, there was, and, and Banshee, I did catch up with it, but it for me, it wasn't anywhere near as um, entertaining and compelling as a strike back usually is um though there are there are definitely some elements to recommend it but yeah I think that's a strong pick my last one for this is Outlander I think Mm. it's capable of making the leap I think it's very capable of making the leap and it hasn't quite yet um but I will be very intrigued to see how it does when it comes back from its hiatus. If it comes back and then takes another, you know, four episodes to get going before having a solid last four, the way that the first half did, or if it can come, you know, with you know, just right away from the mid-season premiere, uh, guns blaring and uh, or I guess maybe uh, swashes swashes buckling,
2: <laughs> swords, yes. Yeah. Swords shining. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, what would be great would be some momentum out of the gate. That would be good because that seems to be what the show is missing, and and that's something that and it's weird that it's missing it because that's something that uh something that a show like Battlestar obviously had in spades all the time, even when other things weren't working. Uh. So yes, hopefully, if I think if they can combine that with the with the stuff that's already going well, they could have a really really potent series.
3: Definitely. Um, so, th- so that wraps up our 2014 omnibus blowout. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to need you to say it again. What was it? <sighs> Something? Smorgasbordgy. borgie. Uh, we, there were still categories we didn't do from that. We did last year. We didn't do this year and I'm okay with that. Cause we added some new ones. Let us know, uh, what you guys thought, what your picks are for some of these different categories, Um, what your favorite quotes are. We didn't do that. Who your favorite parents, who your favorite kids, uh, who your, uh, biggest, um, who your, who your new TV BFF that you'll follow anywhere is, you know, let us know any of your picks for your highlights of TV in 2014. Hopefully we gave you plenty to, to reflect on with this year in television. Any final thoughts, Simon, on 2014 Uh, in television?
2: I'm just ready for 2014 to be dead. (laughs) <laughs> just can we can we just put a cap in it to start and, over and, and, and start over there was i'm ready to bury it
3: yep yep well uh thank you all so much for still listening three hours in to oh our best uh of the year podcast here uh, at sound on site thank you for supporting the show for for sharing with your friends and on on social media and everything we always appreciate and we also always appreciate hearing from you the televerse at gmail.com to email us on facebook uh the televerse so you can f- like us to follow the goings on sound on tv you can write a comment up at sound on site where uh, for the post for this episode you can find us in itunes we would we would love to get a new rating or review or two it'd be a nice christmas present you yeah, know, prompt, prompt. Um, prompt. <laughs> or, of course, we're both on Twitter. I'm at the Televerse, and Simon, you are...
2: At Sucker Howell.
3: And uh, thank you all for, for listening. Simon, thank you for co-hosting with me. It's been a pleasure.
2: No problem.
3: We'll be back next year with another episode of the Televerse.
2: Boosh! Game seven, the Stanley Cup Finals, the Pittsburgh Penguins versus Chicago Blackhawks. Jean-Claude Van Damme's playing a lowly fire marshal who's there enjoying the game with his family. The vice president's there. Also, a group
4: of terrorists. And they've raped the Pittsburgh Civic Arena with bombs? Oh no! This is a story of sudden death start. John-Claude Van Damme! An awesome movie about karate and fighting. John-Claude Van Damme. Horsey, heaven, he is a thing Change <clears throat> your legs away, the Once we've all said goodbye